And hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Kuehl Show here on 12 Ounce Sports. I am your host, as always, the inside of the insiders, Tyler Kuehl. Oh, guys, let me tell you what. It is great to finally be back. It has been a long road to get back to this point. Well, not a long road. It's been a whole, what, 14 days since we did our last, well, 14 days since we did our last show here at 12 Ounce Sports, 12 days since we did the now infamous truck cast with Alex having him come back. Um, obviously, a different look here. Uh, the same ugly hair, the same ugly mug, but the same awesome t-shirt. We'll get to those in a minute here on the Kula Show. I'll explain why we took a little bit of a pause for those that don't follow us on social media actively. Now, granted, we've been pretty quiet over the last couple weeks, but for good reason. But we are back and here on 12-Ounce Sports, so don't worry, kids. No need to panic. No need to call your grandma and tell her you're panicking because we're back on. No, it's okay. But we're here on 12-Ounce Sports, which means we're on the YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Zingo TV, channel 761 on there. If you ever want to check it out, guys, Channel 761, promo code 12 ounce. That's number one, the number two, the letter O or letter Z or Z for you improper English users. And of course, why we're on 12 ounce sports? Well, we got to thank our awesome people for the reason why we're there, including mybookie.ag down there in the corner, guys. Baseball still going on. Not a whole lot of playoff action worth mentioning, but a lot of sports to bet on, golf included, racing. You can go on. I, I don't think you can bet on the Little League World Series. I know Canada here soon is going to be allowing people to vote on or bet on singular sporting events. So be sure to get on there, mybookie.ag, and win and get paid. Make sure you sign up for free as well, though. Don't spend money to sign up. Do it for free. 12-ounce sports is the promo code to get on there. And, of course, as always, up in the corner on my laptop, second string leather company, guys. Hashtag crafted from the crease. Guys, they have so much cool stuff since the last time we came out. Collection 9, it's a banger. Go out there. I just said the word banger. That's because coffee's about halfway done. We're not fully there yet. We'd use better words. But other than that, guys, check it out. SecondChainLeather.com. And also, you ready for this, guys? A new item coming out here. Putter covers. For all you golfers out there like yours truly, need someone to protect that putter because we got to protect that 14 handicap. You can do so by using the awesome leather stuff. Leather equipment from secondchainleather.com. Hashtag crafted from the crease. We have us another busy show. We are not coming back limping into this show, guys. We are coming back with a bang full speed ahead. In about about 25 minutes and change time, Dan Rice from the Hockey Writers. We're going to be getting ready for the Women's World Championships coming up later this weekend, guys. It's going to be a huge tournament, a big tournament. Didn't have it last year, obviously. It's back this year in Calgary. U.S. is the favorite to win it again. Canada's good, but there are some other countries that are looking to really press the envelope and show that they are teams to be reckoned with this weekend. We'll talk with him as well. Also get some Devils talk with him as well. He's a New Jersey guy. He likes to talk about his team, the New Jersey Devils, who have made a splash this offseason with some big free agent signings, some big moves as well. That team is going to be a lot better in that Metropolitan Division this year. And later on, around 7.30 Eastern Time, 6.30 Central Time for you folks there, in Minnesota, State of Hoppy making his return back here to the Kewl Show. We'll be talking about the Wild, of course. Why not? And we'll also get his take on all things hockey. We'll probably get on the Seattle Kraken page a little bit as well. So, let's address the elephant in the room. 
No, there is no elephant in this room. And for those that follow us on Instagram and Twitter, I did a quick little show around of the studio in the office here of the new house that I live in now. My wife is out there right now. She is watching her show. She's actually watching a movie. Uh, Tom Hanks. Angels and Demons. That's what it was. She's watching one of those movies that it has Ewan McGregor, so it's okay, but it's not like, oh my gosh, it's the greatest movie ever. I mean, Ewan McGregor can only do so much, guys, let's be honest. But we've been moving over the last two weeks, and and it wasn't like one big move. We were doing moves throughout the week. That's why we didn't do a show two weeks ago, nor last Monday, simply because of the fact that we moved in last Sunday, not yesterday, the Sunday prior, with a big move with all of our tables, couches, furniture, all that stuff. And, you know, I said to myself, let's just, let's focus on getting settled in here, because let's be honest, literally up until yesterday, this was not here. You would have seen a barren wall behind me right there. This wasn't even set up yet last Monday, the sound equipment and whatnot. And yeah, we had Wi-Fi, but we hadn't really done any tests yet. So that would have been really stupid of us to try to put a show on for you today. So we're like, you know what? Let's just try this out. And, you know, maybe one day we'll get a camera. And we'll have someone hold the camera and show you guys around. There's some open spaces here. I hope it's not too echoey. I did some testing on it. Uh, with the sound and the the cool diaphragm mic I got here kind of deafens it a little bit, so it's a little bit better, but it is echoey because hardwood floor, or well, um, not hardwood, not one, uh, laminate flooring we got in here, so it does echo a little bit. I'm working on getting some stuff. I'm supposed to have a rug coming in here too to make it a little bit, now an actual rug, like, you know, decorative rug that'll dampen the sound a little bit. So if it does echo for now, I do apologize. We're still in the early stages of setting this whole kit and caboodle up. I do have a guest chair here because now I actually like have a house and it's not like a sketchy place to go to, like an apartment complex. So like I could have guests over if I wanted to now. And there's some cool people that live here in West Michigan that would like to come on and I wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't be having mad, have them sit next to me here, have a cup of death wish coffee and have a fly buzzing around the room that I can't quite kill right now because I'm on the show, but have them sit in here and talk some hockey. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? We'll just have to see how it all works out. Got a lot of endeavors going on. Not as not as crazy, but different, I guess is the best way to describe different endeavors going on right now. I'm doing high school football this year. Probably should have made, I don't know if you guys follow me personally on Facebook or Twitter, but I'm doing football. And to be honest with you, it's going to be interesting because I've, I mean, I'm, I was a football fan. My wife and I were going to go to a Michigan game, University of Michigan game next month. So I always love college football, pro football, what have you. I'll be doing high school football this year, and it's going to be interesting, to say the least, because I I like calling it. I like joking about calling it, but now I'm going to be put on the spot, and some guy is going to pay me probably way too much money. And, oh, Peyton Turnage going on Twitter, tweeting at me, because I I made sure I showed the office, and he said there's probably an hour behind-the-scenes footage on this thing, and I probably should tell him, it took us about, uh, I don't know, it took us about a couple hours to get everything set up because Kelly really wanted to make sure that these were level. These are not just like nailed into the wall, the banners. We actually have like banner rods now. You can't see them on here on the screen on 12 on sports if you're listening on your favorite podcatcher. But there's actual like professional bars holding these things up now. Since, you know, we're actually living in this house, I'm like, let's make it actually look decent and kind of professional. Now, yes, Chris Osgood is putting on with scotch tape over there, that poster and there are thumbtacks holding up the Michigan State banners that Kelly has. and I think that's it for the tax, right? Oh, there's a tack holding up. I got a Leafs banner. Hold on, let's see if I can do this here. Can you guys kind of, you guys won't be able to totally see it. There's a Leafs banner with all the logos. You can kind of see it in the corner. Now it's going to swing back and forth at me. Um, 
it's right there on a thumbtack. So it's pretty neat. I got the TV still there. We're not running anything right now. We could be watching the Little League World Series, but first show with new Wi-Fi. We thought, you know, Kelly's watching her stuff out there. Let's just make sure everything works without doing two televisions running, tele, you know, watching TV and streaming at the same time. Let's just have one person watch TV. I do the show here. However, this time, folks, I have the knock on wood advantage on the router because the router is it's in the basement. It's on top of a vent, but it's OK, though, because the Xfinity guy said it was OK. It's right beneath the floor here, so it's closer to me than it is to her. So we're not going to be the ones that are having problems. It's going to be her. I won't tell her that, though, as long as you guys don't tell her that either. So anyways, let's uh, let's get into things here. So like I said, about 20 minutes time, we'll be talking with Dan Rice about the women's worlds, the NWHL. Oh, God, Kelly is waving. Oh, did Kelly hear me? I don't think Kelly heard me. That's probably good. How about, how how much can you hear me right now? Not a lot. So uh, you should go by. You should go in the bedroom and close the door and see how loud I am just to know if I ever need to do a show when you're sleeping. Because that'd be nice. That's actually a good test. Because now, like, because this room is not connected to our bedroom, which is really nice. So if I ever want to do a show and she's sleeping or, you know, want some quiet time, I can still do a show. Now, granted, yes, I probably want some more soundproof. What? Oh, all right. I'll have to get some soundproof stuff. Anyways, like I said, Dan Rice coming on here talking women's hockey in a little bit and later on second half of the show before talking minors with Randall tonight on 12 on Sports. State of Hoppy coming on to talk hockey, Minnesota hockey, maybe talk some brew as well because they're the, the, the soda pod. Him and uh, him and Aisha Droni, uh, two awesome guys. They love bringing people on the show to talk about craft beer, good beer. And here in Grand Rapids, I don't know if it's still official, but for the longest time, we were known as Beer City USA. We have a lot of good beer that comes out of here. So do they do in Minnesota as well. And Wisconsin is another great place for beer. Uh, there is a place like Muskoka Brewing uh, up in, I think it's in Wisconsin. I, I get beers from odd places. Sometimes my parents, my uh, dad and Colleen, they travel a lot. They come back with brews that I've never heard of, but it tastes really good. Uh, there's an awesome brewery up in Marquette that I can't think of the name of. There's one up near the Sioux Locks. I don't, we'll probably get into some beer talk with them, if, of course, if we have time here on TKS. But let's get to some news today. So obviously there have been more signings since the truck cast that we did. And for those that don't know, we did a truck cast. For those that only watch on 12 Ounce Sports, we do have the truck cast on the on your favorite podcatcher. So if you're watching us on 12 on Sports, jump on your Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google, Apple Podcast. I think we're on everything. Go on there, search us. It's the last show, the truck cast. That's where we pretty much react to the day. The, that was the first day of free agency, pretty much the first day of signings. Alex and I were driving a moving truck around. Sounds a little funny, but it gets our very entertaining takes, including us talking about Tony D'Angelo, which is a thing that I have to admit is actually... For real, I, I still can't believe it. But anyways, a couple news of note. Some things we'll get to later on as well with Hoppy. But news from today, Kevin Fiala signing a one-year contract with the Minnesota Wild. Just kind of going to show that Billy Guerin is realizing that this is going to be the year for the Wild. $5.1 million one-year contract for Mr. Fiala. We're going to get Hoppy's take. When Remember, we talked with Pat Micheletti last. This was shortly after the buyouts, and now we're kind of starting to see what the Wild are going to be coming into this 21-22 season. The other signing today, avoiding arbitration, Nashville Predators with their goaltender, UC Soros. Kind of a big deal here. Four years, $5 million AAV per $20 million contract for the young netminder. 
Not a bad deal, I'll be honest with you. Now, granted, it's not Pecorino's old number, so I'm guessing you're okay with that. And and UC Saros is a little bit of an unproven goaltender. He is the established number one guy there in Smashville, albeit. But in the cap that we are in now and where we're going to be, a $5 million starting goaltender is looking pretty fair, especially given the fact that you're going to have a younger goaltender that's not making a whole lot of money behind him. Not a bad move there by David Poyle. Nashville, I know they're not going to be the same kind of contender as they have been in the past, but this will still be a good hockey team. No question about it. But certainly an interesting move there. I'm going to omit the teams that we're not going to mention. Arizona, Vegas was another one that didn't do a whole lot of moves. Calgary did a lot of small stuff. Of course, Vegas really can't because they, even though they traded Marc-Andre Fleury away, they still don't have a whole lot of cap space left. Buffalo did a lot of small signings. That was just about it. The Islanders as well didn't do a whole lot since day one of free agency or the first couple of days of free agency. So with that, let's kind of let's quick run down the list here. Um, let's start in Anaheim. We'll go down by division. Pacific Division, we'll start off here. Anaheim, a little bit of a small contract here. A lot of, a lot of these are going to be small. Probably only one player per team, just because, hey, we're short on time, and there's been a lot over the past couple weeks. Maxime Comtois, former Team Canada member for the World Junior Hockey Championship team, the infamous uh, 2019 game now. Two years, $2.0375 million. Not a bad deal, if you're asking me, kids. Simply because of the fact that, you know, he scored 15 goals last year. He's not a bad player. He's not, yes, he's not going to be the superstar scorer that he was back in junior in Quebec, but... He's going to be a good player. I think that's a good thing to keep Anaheim to keep him around. Edmonton got a big extension the weekend after our last show. Big move here, getting Darnell Nurse locked up for eight years. Nine and a quarter million dollars. Oh, man, we got to get we got to get Jack Michaels back on our show. We got to get his thoughts on this. Now, Grant, I'm not saying Darnell Nurse is a bad defenseman, guys. I'm not saying he's not worth nine and a quarter million dollars. But by year six, seven, and eight, uh, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Even if the cap starts to go up, how long do you think Darnell Nurse is going to be in his prime is the question. How long are the Edmonton Oilers going to be able to be competitive? Because this is still a hockey team, guys, that, similar to the Leafs, can't get out of the first round of anything. All right? I, I get it. They're a good team. They have the best player in the world. They're very skilled. I, I just I don't know if he can be good for long if the Oilers aren't good for long. If Edmonton turns it around next year, guys, and makes it to the conference finals, I'll shut my mouth, all right? But I'm just saying, Nurse is going to have a tough time and the Oilers are going to have a tough time in the latter stages of that contract. Los Angeles, not a whole lot going over there. They have a pretty cut and dry team. Andreas, I mean, we talked about some of their big moves on day one. They're going to be a little bit better. They may be hanging around the wild card spot in the West because, like I said, the Pacific Division is all in the Pacific Division. Andreas Athanasiu, one year, $2.7 million. This is going to be probably his story for the end of his career. Having known the guy since he was a prospect for the Red Wings, always a talented skater, great hands. There's just something missing. He's able to come back and play every year in the NHL, be an everyday NHLer. It just seems like he was missing something that he didn't pick up in order to be a star in this league. He'll be a good player for the Kings, no question about it, though. San Jose, they solidify their goaltending a little bit here, getting a hold of Aiden Hill from Arizona. Now, Arizona is the whole kit and caboodle and a half. I probably should have mentioned that because now they don't have Kemper nor Aiden Hill, so they're two of their goaltenders they used last year, gone. 
But San Jose gets a goaltender because remember, Martin Jones is no more. This was going to be an interesting looking team anyways. They do have James Reimer back there. So they have a couple of, I don't, do I want to use the word veteran for Aiden Hill? I mean, he seems like he's been around for a long time, right? He's been around for a minute. But as of right now, it's just Reimer and Aiden Hill. Aiden Hill is only 25 years old. It's so weird. He's there now. They signed him to another extension. They traded him and they signed him. 2.175, like I said, for two years. So four and four two five for your two goaltenders in today's economy. That's pretty good. I get it. Reimer's older. Hill's unproven, but San Jose is just going to be a thing. San Jose is going to be in that division. They're going to play some games. They may have some cool highlights. Eric Carlson will do a couple of funny bits probably with his mustache, but that's about it. That's pretty much cut and dry how the San Jose Sharks are going to be looking this year. Seattle, they made some moves. They made some moves and some signings, guys. This, I'm not going full-scale playoff contender Pacific Division champs yet with this Seattle team, but they get Vince Dunn on your back end, two by four, solidifies the defense. Marcus Johansson, one year by one and a half, not a bad signing. You get some depth up front, that's important. Hello, Vegas, you probably want some of that. Marcus Johansson, a guy that's had some playoff experience, deep playoff runs, had a couple of good years there with the Wild. I'm interested to see what he does now, does now with the Kraken. But their big kahuna, their big fish, if you will, if I could say that. Six years, $5.9 million per for one Philip Grubauer. This was an interesting move by Grubauer. We thought it was done deal. He was going to stay in Colorado. They had been fine. Apparently, the money was going to be too much for Joe Sackick and co., and that sent Grubauer to the Northwest now. Now, all of a sudden, you're looking at a goaltending trio, possibly, there in Seattle. Not just Grubauer. Not just Chris Drieger. But you're looking at, I mean, those are your two guys, but you're looking at a really, really good setup there in the net. Like I said, Drieger and Grubauer are going to be your two goaltenders. They still have Joey Decord down there, who's listed in the minors, according to Cap Friendly. But he's a guy that if something happens, he gets someone gets hurt up top. Decord, we saw it with Ottawa. He shows glimpses that he can be a good goaltender. And on a team that, I'll be improved Ottawa Senators, a team that struggled at times defensively. So they have a good three goaltender setup there that they can use in Seattle. I'm interested to see how Joey Decord does in the minor league system, how many games he gets in, if they're going to try to push him to play games. Because obviously, Grubauer is going to be your number one guy. And Drieger shows that he can be an everyday NHLer in his own right. You may see a 1A, 1B setup, similar to what we saw when Grubauer was having his injury troubles a couple years back with Pavel Francouz there in Colorado. So, a good-looking setup for the Kraken on the back end as well. Like I mentioned, Vince Dunn signing there is also going to be a big move. Vancouver, a couple small signs. They got one today, though. Jason Dickinson, 3 by 2.65 And Travis Hamannick beefing up a little bit on the back end for the Canucks. They got the offense. They just need more on the back end. Central Division, Jake McCabe going to the Chicago Blackhawks, a guy that has always shown that he has potential to be a good defenseman. Unfortunately, he's played for the Sabres. McCabe, 4 by 4 with the Chicago Blackhawks. We'll touch on the Blackhawks a little bit later on here in today's show. Colorado, they didn't do a whole lot. They did sign a couple of depth pieces. Dylan Secura and Darren Helm signing there. Darren Helm, longtime Red Wing, Mr. I'm under the knife because my knees don't work anymore. Darren Helm signing there. 
that's almost a move, right, guys, where it's like, all right, we're going to lose Cadre at some point again in the playoffs, so we need some veteran centers that can play still. That's, of course, given that Darren Helm actually stays healthy, so we'll have to keep our eyes and ears on that. Dallas, uh, not a whole lot coming from the Dallas camp. Obviously, they'll lose Jason Dickinson here, but you all give your Ronta signs for two and a little over a mil. Pretty quiet out of Dallas. I'm interested to see if they do some more here before the season starts. Like I said, though, last year's team, which did not have Ben Bishop, remember, still. It was Ty Ottinger and Anton Hudobin and Nett. And now they have Brayden Holtby in there, in the mix. If Dallas can stay healthy, I think they're a, com- they're a competitive hockey club in that Central this year. They just got bummed out by two, two parts, of, two cases of COVID. Not cases, but like two parts where they had to pause their season because of COVID. They never really got to get a good stretch in. I remember I was talking with Bruce Levine there towards the end when I was at the World Championships with them. He said they had not practiced, I think, the last two months of the season. There were the morning skates, but that was it. There was, like, no legit practice for the Dallas Stars there down the stretch. So we'll see how they do there in a full 82-game season. Fingers crossed they stay healthy. Nashville, like I said, UC Saros, Dante Fabro as well, 2 by 2.4. St. Louis, a, kind of a bigger move, 5 by $4.5 million going to Brandon Saad. First of all, can we all just question if Brandon Saad is worth $4.5 million still? Maybe it's just me being a pessimist, but I don't think Brandon Saad's that good anymore, guys. Listen, 2013 and 2015 were some good times there in Chicago, but guys, that was six years ago. Obama was still in office. Chicago's guy was still there in Washington, D.C. That's how long ago it was when Brandon Saad was a, I would say, a key contributor, a consistent key contributor to a hockey club. But St. Louis needs players, they need talent. Vladimir Tarasenko is seemingly on his way out, question mark, so... We'll have to keep our eyes and ears on that. Winnipeg, Andrew Kopp and Riley Nash both getting signed there. Kopp a one-year, $3.64 million. He was an RFA. Riley Nash, depth added to the Winnipeg lineup. I like the way they're thinking. I still think Winnipeg, they can be a good team in the Central Division. I just think they became, they just, it's hard to judge. Oh, man, they were bad last year toward down the stretch. But then they actually won a playoff round, so they got to be good, right? Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> the North Division was this anomaly. It was good hockey. Yes, the team from the North made it to the Stanley Cup final. But it was so odd and weird. Like, oh, Vancouver, Calgary would have gotten out, got a playoff spot in the West Division. May, may have. We don't know that. That's why last year was so fun and special because you just, you didn't know until it was the end of how good each division was. But then again, in the playoffs, not always the best team wins those games. That's why I think you can say the North was the best because they had a representative in the final. But I don't know. The best team in the division wasn't even that good in the postseason. They blew a 3-1 lead to the Montreal Canadiens, who got lucky because they ran a really good goaltender, Carey Price, some timely scoring, excellent play from Suzuki and Caulfield. I'm not saying, I shouldn't say lucky with Carey Price, but they got a hot goaltender, good young scoring, and Shea Weber able to really cross-check everyone for the first three rounds, and then his knees started to fall off, and that was it for him. So they, that'll be interesting for Winnipeg to see how they go through. A couple more minutes here before we take a break, before I bring on Dan Rice. The Metropolitan Division, Derek Stepan, adding a little bit of depth to Carolina's roster, one year by $1.35 million. Columbus, Jake Bean, who they traded from Carolina, they signed him to an extension three years by $2.3333 million. And the big one, talking about Darnell Nurse, signing his big extension, Zach Kerensky, six years by 
three, 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 repeating. Big money for the big blue liner there in Columbus. Now it's easy to get paid the big guy because the other big guy is going on to Chicago, Seth Jones, who signed a pretty big deal after he got moved there. So all the big defensemen in the league right now getting paid big bucks across the National Hockey League. We'll get to New Jersey in a little bit here, but Dougie Hamilton, of course, the big one, seven by $9 million. Ryan Reeves gets traded to the Rangers. He signs on for a year at 1.75. Pittsburgh gets Zach Aston Reese for 1.725 for a year. And a couple goaltender signings. Ilya Samsonov signs for one year at $2 million. I don't know what the plan is with Samsonov with the Caps, simply because of the fact that what it sounds like is after this past season, they have, like the management and Samsonov have had fits. A lot of it had to do with COVID issues, some with Kuznetsov, but he is still a good goaltender. They did get Vanasek back from the Kraken, so they have their goaltending duo back. Is this a, hey, impress us or be gone kind of year for Samsonov? We'll have to wait and see. Philadelphia, though, they are making it clear that Carter Hart is the guy. If you haven't noticed it yet, kids, three years by $3.979 million. I think last year was a down year for the kid. I believe last year was his true sophomore year. Yes, technically that was his third season, but 1920 was his first real year as a start in the NHL. And I think now they settled in a little bit. There's going to be a little bit better of a blue line there in Philadelphia, a little bit tougher, a little bit younger, but I think the Flyers in the Metro are going to be a little bit better, and a lot of teams are going to have to watch out for them as well. Like I said, New Jersey is another team that people are going to have to be on the whereabouts. I think we'll find a quick run through the Atlantic here before we go to break. Nick Foligno going to Boston, $3.8 million for three years. You know, it, it's a bummer how it didn't work out in Toronto. There was potential there. Injuries, that's what happened. He got hurt, couldn't really get a couldn't really get into a good rhythm. And unfortunately, by the time the playoffs came around, he was not healthy at all. And that's kind of how it ended up there for Mr. Felino. So I can see why he'd want to go to Boston. And maybe he'll get some more time there on a slightly less roster. Detroit, a couple of small things. Tyler Bertuzzi, two point or two years by $4.75 million. Jakob Vrana in the wings avoid arbitration. He signs for three by five and a quarter million dollars. Florida gets some depth. Sam Reinhart, they re-sign him. Three years by $6.5 million. And Jumbo Joe Thornton going back to a sunny state. One year, $750K for the bearded man. His one year in Toronto was all for naught. Matthew Perot going to Montreal for one year by $950K. Victor Mete, former Hab, going to Ottawa for $1.2 million for a year. Corey Perry signing up for two years at $1 million. And Andre Kasha going to the Leafs. One year at one and a quarter million dollars. So a lot of players moving around within the division in the Atlantic. Andre Kasha, former Bruin. Corey Perry, Montreal to Tampa. Mete, Montreal to Ottawa. Perot kind of went from Winnipeg in the north to Montreal. So I guess it works out that way. But a lot of movement, some big signings. We'll get to a little bit more with the New Jersey Devils here in a minute after we talk about the Women's World Championships here in a minute with Dan Rice from the Hockey Writers. Like I said, we'll talk Minnesota Wild later on with State of Hoppy. But we will take a quick break. When we come back, it will be Dan Rice from the Hockey Writers to discuss women's hockey, the World Championships, the NWHL, and more, whatever else comes up here on the Kula Show here on 12 Out Sports. We'll be back right after this. And welcome back to the Kula Show, everyone. Tyler Kula here, the insider of the insiders, for this returning episode, Monday, August the 16th. Guys, this coming weekend, a big tournament. A tournament that is a year and a half in the making. Two and a half if you consider the fact that it hasn't happened since 2019. The double IHF 
Women's World Hockey Championships coming up, guys. For those that don't remember the 2019 World Championships, well, I do. We had a whole hour and a half argument about it here on the show back in the spring of 2019 for how it ended. It was a great tournament, lovely tournament. Just how it ended was, I think, it was the wrong ending. I talked with Digit Murphy. She agreed with the same way. A lot of people think it was the wrong way. But the U.S. won, beating Finland in the gold medal game. Will they do it again, though, is the big question. But for that, we need to bring on someone who knows a thing or two about the women's game. He covers women's hockey for the Hockey Riders. Also does awesome coverage for the National Women's Hockey League as well. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. None other than Dan Rice. Dan, how are we doing today, sir? I'm doing great, Tyler. Thanks for having me on again. Uh, I have to ask, you mentioned Digit Murphy. Uh, how much talking did, were you able to do with her on? I know she likes to, to be a little chatty. I got in, I think I think we did the count, 25 words in the 45-minute interview <laughs> that we did. That, that sounds about right. Her, her press conferences after the, uh, the games at Lake Placid were... Uh, a good 20 to 25 minutes each. And uh, a lot of the other teams, you know, five to 10 minutes, they want to get in and out. Uh, uh, but but Digit, Digit likes to talk and, and she often gives, uh, she's a great quote. So she's a reporter's dream. Oh, she she was a fun, she was a hoot to talk about. And it's, an, it's a bummer they weren't able to go all the way there at the Toronto Six. But boy, they, they had a good team and I'm excited to see them next year. We'll talk about the end up here in just a little bit. But let's get to the big tournaments coming up this weekend in Calgary. The Women's World Championships. This tournament, for those that don't know, and you know, this thing called COVID kind of messed things up. It was supposed to be in Halifax, Nova Scotia in the spring of 2020. Obviously, it didn't happen. It gets moved then to 2021. And about a month before, they decide it's not going to work out. So they move it then to Calgary here in August. You know, I, I'm trying to figure this whole thing out, Dan, because it, it sucks because A, yes, because there's a lot of people that are angry and deservedly so that it was the women's worlds that was canceled. The men's worlds was in 2020 as well, but there a lot of people are bummed that they weren't able to get it done in Nova Scotia because hockey Canada really wanted to be there because it had been there in the past, but now they're moving to Calgary. Do you think that just this wear and tear of if and when it's going to get played is starting to wear on people going into this weekend? I, I think it's uh, more of a case of, let's just get this over with finally. Like, uh, and, and, you know, uh, all jokes aside, it's, it's a pretty important tournament, I think, um, because coming up next year is the Olympics. You know, this is what a lot of, uh, what all of these players really train and dedicate their lives for. Um, and they haven't had chances to, to showcase themselves or, or, you know, get ready for the Olympic games the last couple of years, uh, unless they were playing, you know, their, their club games or their league games, and, and uh, they lost a lot of time. So it'll be interesting to see um, how how every team reacts. You know, it, it's um, groups that haven't really been together too long in, in some cases. So it, it'll be interesting, interesting to see uh, that, that blend of new newer players trying to make a name for themselves and the older players uh, just trying to reestablish themselves because – uh, they don't get as many chances as NHL players, right, to, to play a full season right. um, and, and kind of be ready for these kind of tournaments. Uh, they, they have to, like, pick and choose their spots. And you mentioned the, the Dream Gap Tour. Um, that helps a lot of these players to 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 get ready for these. But uh, those, those games are nothing compared to or not nearly as, at least in my mind, as competitive and as hard fought as, um, these world championship games and the Olympic games will be, uh, coming up next year. 
Yeah, because for the longest time, Dan, and this is, you know, me just being the naive kid that I was, for a lot of us, it was the only time we ever watched women's hockey was the Olympics. That's the only time it was ever on NBC or whenever it's family networks it was on because mm-hmm. even during the world championships, there wasn't a whole lot of exposure for this. But now, 2019, I think, may have been the biggest, if you ask me, in terms of coverage. NHL Network did a lot for it, and of course, TSN up in Canada loves to do anything hockey in hockey Canada. And I'm feeling like maybe it's because it is in Canada this year, it's in the Western Hemisphere, but this tournament in particular just feels like it's bigger, whether it's because it's been a year and a half than it was supposed to be played, or whether it's because of all, like, the big rise that was peaking at 2019 for women's hockey going into the 2020 season. I just feel like this could be the biggest world championships, even though there may not be a single person in that building up in Calgary. This seems like a lot of eyes are going to be on this particular tournament. What do you think? Yeah, I would agree. Uh, you know, that's very well said. All those points that you made are very valid. Um, the fact that the fans aren't going to be there, that, that's a real bummer. But uh, the, the fact that they're going to be able to, to play this finally um, and I, I think one of the big things that you did allude to there is, is being in our hemisphere. Um, to, you, you're going to get so many more eyes on it than if it was, at, you know, during a normal time. Normal time, they would be would have, would have been playing, what, April in a regular NHL season. The playoffs are just starting, right? So you don't have as many eyes that can, can really uh, focus in on you. Um, and this, this tournament at this particular time, of the year, uh, there's nothing else really going on unless you're a, a diehard baseball fan, or a at least in this hemisphere, this this neck of the woods, you know, unless you're a diehard college football fan, get ready for the season. Um, that there's not much that's going to be on to to take your eyes away from that. So, uh, I would say that any hockey fans out there, uh, if if you've never watched the women's game, you know, that this might be a good chance to. To, uh, to do that and, and, you know, see if it's for you, see if it's something you would be interested in. If you like hockey, I, I think you would like it. Um, and I think it also helps that the U.S. just won the, you know, they won their, their first Olympic gold medal um, at the, the, the previous Olympics. So uh, you're still kind of building off of that momentum. A lot of those players are still on the team. Um, obviously, the, the Lamaru twins aren't there, but uh, they have a lot of really good uh recognizable, well, well, uh, well-known players uh, that, that a lot of people probably know the names of but maybe haven't really seen play a game. Um, so this would be a good opportunity uh, for that, for, for those folks. Yeah, because the, the exposure this year, similar, like I said, 2019, the NHL Network is going to be broadcasting here in the States. In Canada, of course, TSN is going to be having it, which means that the NHL Network is really just going to grab the TSN games and broadcast it. But that's okay. We get to watch it. That's yep. all that matters. Yep. But... I'm really excited because this is a year and, you know, we we talked about how in 2018 it was the first in 20 years for the U.S. to win an Olympic gold medal. But the U.S., Dan, for the last, gosh, they're going for their fifth right now or they've won it five straight. They're going for a sixth straight world championship. This dominance of the American women's hockey program is so similar to the 90, like 1990 until Nagano in 98 of the Canadian women's national team, how they would just beat everybody. It wasn't really much of a competition. It was more or less just a crowning achievement once a year. 
Now it's looking like, all right, now Canada's the underdog, even though they have the home ice, because this American team, Dan, with all this talent, both goaltending, defense, skaters, goal coaches, whatever, they have it from top to bottom, an excellent team coming to Calgary once again. Yeah, uh, 100%. I, I would just say, uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm not really, I, I'm I, I, not really, I shouldn't say not really. I'm definitely not a superstitious person or, or somebody that believes in, in those kind of things. Um, but it's something, something weird happens when a Canadian national team plays on home soil. Um, you know, things seem to, to tend to go their ways. Um, I'm not saying that there's any reason for that. You know, like there's, there's no nothing uh, uh, nefarious going on. I don't, I don't want it to come off like that, but it's just, just the way that things work out. And, um, you know, for Canada, they haven't won a gold at this this tournament, or they haven't won a, a trophy at this tournament um, in nine years. Um, so, you know, maybe this is the year that they they finally break through, and and maybe they catch the, the Americans a little off guard. Uh, you know, they they did lose one of their their goalies uh, leading up to this, uh, Maddie Rooney, who was the hero in the in the last Olympics. Um, she's she won't be participating, so that's that's kind of an, an interesting. Uh, twists as we get closer to here to these games and uh i think canada and, and u.s obviously is going to be the, the two teams to beat but there's there's a few other teams in there that i think could could cause some havoc and and maybe uh catch catch some teams off guard in, in the early going of, of these uh the opening games of this tournament and we'll get to those teams here in just a minute one team that i think anyone's really picking to finish in the top four or top eight for that matter that may be getting in there but the U.S., I, I look at their roster here, and the big names are there, of course. Kendall Coyne Schofield, Hillary and I, Brianna Decker. But the one that I like to look for, I think she, and this is why the Dream Gap Tour was such a big deal, because there were some names that, and obviously Kendall Coins were there and the Knights and all of them, the big names were there because part of the mm-hmm. PWHPA. But one player that stood out to me the most, now granted, yes, there were more Dream Gap Tour tournaments in the States than were Canada, but that's neither here nor there. But Abby Rock really caught my eye, Dan, and she's going to be. Do you think she's going to be a big player for this team? Yeah, yeah. She she's that that next wave, that next generation of player that's that's coming up behind the the Knights and the Deckers and, and the, the Kessels, the, the players that you mentioned. Uh, she's just a, a phenomenal player, and um, I think we 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 probably see her get a lot of ice time, uh, at least to start this tournament as they they work through. Uh, how they want to 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 send their lines out here as, as uh, things get underway. She's definitely going to be an X factor. And um, another player that I've always liked. Uh, I feel like she kind of gets often overlooked. And and um, I should know this, but I'm I'm pretty sure she didn't get she didn't get picked to play in the last Olympics. Um, Alex Carpenter. Uh, she right. to, for me, she has always been like that game changing player. Um, we saw her only one season in NWHL uh, with Boston Pride, and I think um, uh, if I'm remembering right, she was a point of game player, and, and just she's just a threat every time she's on the ice, and and I think uh, she could be that kind of X factor player too in, in this tournament, where maybe the the other opponents will, will focus on stopping the night, Decker and, and Kessel and and Kendall Coyne, Schofield, and, and those type of players, and then. You know, that's when Alex Carpenter is is uh, uh, sitting in, in the, the perfect spot on the ice to, to bury a shot. So uh, it's definitely going to be a, a great tournament coming up. And, and uh, U.S.-Canada is, is going to be a, a, a battle. And I think we all know that every time they play. 
it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be terrifying to watch because because here's the thing. Like we said, it's been a long time since Canada has done well in this tournament, and it it's so hard because you look at this Canadian team, and if you went probably five years ago, Marie Philippe Plant, Melody Daou, this team has so deep is is the Canadians and I you know Natalie Spooner, Renata Fast, Brianne Jenner there, you know, and Renee Debian who has become a real big key part and a big goaltender for the Canadians. This team yeah. has the talent, but it's like this and you mentioned being on home ice helps. The lucky loony, you know, we it goes back to Salt Lake back in 02. The lucky loony yeah. always seems to be around there. But I don't know what it is, but it just seems like it's going to be tough for the Canadians to overcome this mountain, dare I say that is the American power. Yeah, and, and their their biggest thing is going to be their defense is, is very young for this tournament. And I think that's where maybe the American team can expose them a little bit. Um, they don't have a lot of the returning players. They have a, a, a bunch making their, their national team debuts. Um, but I think they can go toe-to-toe offensively with the United States. Uh, all the players you mentioned – um, uh, you know, Natalie Spooner, sometimes she's on the, the second or third line. Um, she's a phenomenal talent. Another player I really like, um, uh, Victoria Bach. Uh, she had a great collegiate career and, and has just been like dynamite, uh, with, with those Canadian national teams. So, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll definitely be a challenge. They have to have a lot of things, uh, play out the right way for them. Um, and that that whole group that they're in is is at least for the round robin play is, is pretty uh, pretty stacked. So it, it, all of those games should be pretty interesting, and, and it'll be interesting to see uh, which teams uh, come out on top in, in in that grouping. Yeah, the the group A certainly is the group of death in this tournament. You have Group B, which does have some tough teams. You have the Czechs and the Germans who are looking pretty solid. Japan always yeah. seems to be an interesting team. Hungary's in there as well. Of course, like I said, the Danes and the Germans. But Group A is the group of death. You have the U.S. and Canada. And that game, let me, I, quick, I forgot to write it down when that game is. I think it's the last one of pool play, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it is the 26th. So 10 days yeah. from now, they're up in Calgary. It'll be the last game of pool play, of course, highlighted, of course, right? Have the two teams beat the heck out of each other before they go into the knockout stage, why don't they? Yeah, but but the yeah, other, I'm sure that I'm sure that game will be important for seeding too. Most likely, yeah. I mean, and that's uh, I say this, and you say you're right. It is for seeding, but not necessarily one two. 1999 World Championship. You're right. Maybe one two here, but right. It's it a little different now. Oh yeah. I mean, there is the Russian Olympic Committee. They are going by the ROC moniker in this tournament, but you also have the Swiss, who have a couple of good players, and the defending silver medalists in Finland. Now, the one thing that Finland kind of has going against them, we'll get to their positive side here in a second, they don't have their starting goaltender, Dan. This is why it's going to be really interesting to watch this tournament because Norrati, not there. Work obligations have inhibited her from playing in this tournament. Now, yes, they have a couple good goaltenders back there. They have Annie, uh, Kais- uh, oh gosh, Kaisala? Kaisala. Kaisala, who was on the world's roster in 2017. And Mary Risen, who was on the roster in 2018, didn't play, though. In 2018 Olympics, that means. But still, when you lose your number one goaltender, dare I say make this comparison, Dan, it's like if the Habs tried to go into the playoffs without Carey Price, I don't think the Habs make it out of that first round against Toronto. Do I see the similar result if it were here now for Finland in this group? Uh, I, I think the Finns will be okay. I think they have enough experience in other areas. Uh, where they could maybe shut things down a little bit more, you know. That they also know they don't have their starter, so they might they may try and tighten things up just a little bit. Um, I, I've seen 
uh, Miri Reisinen play uh, in person a few times the year she was here at the Connecticut Whale. Um, really big goaltender, takes up a lot of the net. Uh, really long legs, um, athletic. Um, unfortunately, she got injured um, uh, at, at the end of the season here, but uh, phenomenal goaltender. Um, so I, I think, you know, they, they can probably – uh, count on relying on on both of those two goaltenders and and uh, um, as you as you mentioned it's, it it is really a, a pretty tough group but I I could see them finishing you know anywhere from second third fourth like it, it, I don't think that would would be out of the realm of possibilities uh, just because I think they're a much stronger team than than some of the other uh, teams out there. Yeah, that's going to be the bummer in this group because we're only going to take the top four in each group. That means one from this group has to be on the outside looking in. I don't think that's going to be a knock on any of these five teams and how tough this one is. The other team to watch out for, obviously the Russians are going to be a competitive hockey club, but the Swiss. The Swiss seem like they have just a couple of right pieces that could really push this team into the quarterfinals, particularly uh, Lars Alder and Alina Mueller are going to be up front there leading the offensive attack. They could really turn some heads in this pool play. Yeah, and and anybody who's listening who's never seen Alina Mueller play, I would say um, she is must-see TV. She is a do-it-all player, uh, really fun to watch, um, just just a, a phenomenal talent. And um, I, I got to, as, as we talked a little bit off air, I, I covered her brother Mirko Mueller, uh, for for a little while when he was with the New Jersey Devils and yeah. um, she is uh, worlds better than he is and that's not a knock on him she is she is that good she is very easily the the best Swiss player uh, female uh, hockey player right now um, and she, and she's she's kind of carrying that mantle now uh, um, and you know they they're gonna they they I think it comes down to the the Swiss and and uh, the, the Russian team fighting for that that last spot uh, out of that group. It, it's going to be fun to watch, no matter what. I mean, there there will be some games that are a little one sided, but that's how it is with all world tournaments. Any international sure. tournament. I, I I went to go down to the U18s and Canada beat Sweden. I think it was like twelve to one or something ridiculous. Like yeah. those games happen. So don't be like, oh my goodness, Tyler, what are you, Dan, Tyler, and Tyler, what are you guys talking about? Canada just beat the Russians ten nothing. Well. That happens. Look at a world championship. I mean, or world championships, juniors, that happens all the time. Of but, course, yeah. I mean, but that's what makes it interesting, right? You don't know what's going to happen. Did I think that Canada was going to blow out Sweden that night in front of Steve Eiserman and every single GM that was there? No, but dang it, it happened, and it caused for a very interesting broadcast. But um, I look at this tournament, and I see in everyone, maybe it's North American bias from us, and it was like U.S., Canada, U.S., Canada, U.S., Canada, but... You you gotta expect Finland to be in there, and like I said, there's gonna be someone from Group B that's gonna catch everyone by surprise. Could be the Czechs, who knows? But who do you think is a team that not many people are talking about that could jump into not necessarily winning a medal, but could get to those semifinal games and show that hey, you know, we may not win the gold, we may not be in the final, but we're a team that we're a country that can be kind of looked at and kind of be thought after as a little bit higher regard, you know, as the years go on here. Yeah, I, I have to say, uh, I think that team is the Czech team. Um, I, I'm, I'm assuming that they're going to easily win that, that group. Then um, that's not a knock on the other teams. I just think the Czechs are just, just that much better. Um, and and uh, for me, I, I, I know at least four of the players on that team. I've seen them play in the NWHL. Um, and they're all 
great game-changing kind of players. So um, they definitely have some some top-level talent. Um, and and in that group, they you know they, they're Japan. Uh, Hungary is going to be a team that'll probably give them a little little bit of an issue, and as well as uh, the Germans. Um, you know, H- Hungary has a couple of really good players too. Um, uh, I believe two of them were just drafted into the NWHL, and, and they just had a uh, an international draft, uh, which was a one round only six player deal. Uh, but two of their players from the national team were drafted in that draft, so uh, that that speaks to the level of, of upcoming talent that they have. Um, and, and a good friend of mine, uh, Haley Williams, uh, who played in the NWHL and is now playing um, uh, over in, in Hungary, actually. Uh, she's, she's told me that there's a lot of good young and up-and-coming players over there. So uh, um, I'm curious to see how they, they do in, in this, this group. And um, they're a team that I kind of expect to make it through, that, that uh, at least to the, to the knockout stage. Uh, but I, I think the Czechs, in answer to your original question, the checks of that team that I think can be a little bit of a, a dark horse here. Yeah, they're going to have a really good defense, and obviously uh, Katarina Mrazova, Mrazova will be yes. the, a big one to watch up front. Uh, you mentioned the two players that were drafted from Hungary in the NWHL International Draft. I'm going to mess these up. Uh, Fanny Gasparic uh, Very good. from yep. Hungary, uh, forward. She was drafted by the Minnesota Whitecaps and the Toronto Six. Drafted uh, Reka Debasi or Debasi? Debasi. Debasi from Hungary. Yes, I'm starting to figure out these international names a little bit. Go me. Um, it, it, it's all right. It takes a little while. To, you know, as long as you try and 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 give the good effort, you know that that's all we ask. I I learned when I did the U18s, and because we they we in our pool we had Sweden's not too bad, but there's Sweden, Canada, those are easy ones. But we had Belarus and Latvia, and there were a couple that. Uh, and it's funny, Bruce Levine of the Dallas Stars. We did the games together, and we. Mm-hmm. We, we, we don't like to check Twitter, but we had to because we wanted to learn the names because there were some people that were very unhappy that we messed up some of their players' names and, and we respectfully yeah, fixed it. But, yeah, that, 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 people let you know. That, yeah, that, that's something, too, that um, I think going forward we have to do better at, um, whether it's broadcasters, uh, reporters. Um, we have to do a little bit better at, at um, giving pronunciation guides um, because uh, for, for a lot of years, I think we've we've uh, butchered and Americanized a lot of names. And, and I think it's time to, um, you know, be a little bit more respectful and, and and try and do things the right way. I know we try and do that with NWHO, where we 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 uh, us reporters, we, we try and fight the good fight. We try and get those pronunciation guides, uh, especially for our broadcasters, because it is important. You know, it's, you want somebody to feel uh, comfortable and, and at home. Um, and, and, you know, know that you're not just, uh, just giving up on somebody's name and, and, oh, it has too many letters. I don't want to, you know, I'm just going to just make, make some sounds up and, and move on to the next person or, you know, and when you're doing play by play, obviously it's, uh, it's a fast moving sport. So you have to, to really be on your game in, in that aspect. Uh, yeah, you, you did, you did really good on those names. So give yourself a little pat on the back for me. Oh, right. Oh, thanks, Dan. I pre- appreciate it. <laughs> And, and, you know, it is interesting. I mean, we did get some, but sometimes a little bit tough. But and like you mentioned, the the women's game, I, just doing club women's hockey here in the Midwest, whenever I talk to coaches and I'm asking them for, like, pronunciation guides and stories, whatever, they're like, what are you doing? Why, why are you doing so much yeah. work? I'm not used to this sort of thing. I'm used to just going to the rink, coaching a few, right. coaching a couple <laughs> hours and going home. 
asking and answering questions. I mean, I, I wasn't ready for this, but that's just how the game has evolved over the last I, I, 20 years, I guess. And I, I know it's so far ago was the 98 games. And I know in the last three or four years, this, the women's game has made so much, so many big strides, but now the NWHL goes into this season you know, Dan, obviously we're going to be watching. It's going to be going head to head with the NHL like it is, but that's just, that's part of the hockey season. I'm going to be watching. I know you will as well. Why should people be excited for the, the first full season of the NWHL in two years? Um, I think there's a lot of reasons. Jeez, we, we actually haven't, we don't have all the rosters yet. Um, Minnesota hasn't even announced one single player, but um, it's called they, gamesmanship. They, gamesmanship. Yeah, their their group is is you know they've largely been the same group over the years, and and I expect I think we all expect a lot of those familiar names will be back again. Um, but but yeah, this season is going to be pretty exciting. I, I like that. Um, in, in the past, they would have you know maybe Boston would play a game on a Saturday night in, in at home, and then Sunday afternoon in Connecticut or something like that. Um, you know, and, and the back-to-back games aspect is fine, but the, the travel aspect, you want to try and really minimize that. And I think the league did a good job with that this year where um, each team is going to do kind of like baseball where it's a, a two-game series or like college hockey where they do two-game series over the weekend. Yeah. So you'll have your, you know, Connecticut comes to New Jersey uh, to play the Riveters and they play Saturday, uh, early Saturday afternoon and then early Sunday afternoon. Um, when the Riveters go to Toronto, they're going to play uh, Saturday night or Saturday afternoon and then Sunday afternoon. Um, so I, I think those will really help to um, bring the, the fans back, uh, you know, into and a lot of teams, too. And I broke this down in my uh, one of my recent uh, weekly roundups on the hockey writers. Um, a lot of teams have these extended homestands. Um, now, they might be weeks off in between. But uh, a team like Buffalo plays four games in a row, uh, you know, yeah, four games in a row at home, two weekends in a row, um, and then they have a road game, and then they have another five-game homestand. So you're kind of building up that fan base, and and um, the the home teams and at NWHL games for, for those who have never gone, um, the home teams will, will uh, sign autographs, take pictures with fans for anywhere from 30 minutes to up to an hour and a half after games. Um, and, and that's the kind of access that you don't get in a lot of other sports. Um, and you get to really touch that, that younger generation of um, fan base. So to really that that's going to be your foundation going forward. Um, you're giving especially young girls uh, heroes and, and athletes to, to look up to and to, to be a role model, you know, somebody that they want to pattern their, their self after, um, as a writer, you know, oftentimes I'm, I was, in the past I'd be trying to, you know, file game recaps after games and uh, would sit in the lobby um, and, and try and type something out. And, and as I'm doing that, you know, I, I kind of am typing and looking at the screen with one eye and my other eye was always kind of watching that autograph line because uh, there was always a lot of really cool uh, personal moments that the players got to share with fans and, um I've, I've seen fans give them you know gifts and stuff like that and um i know up in buffalo they they had a a, a really great uh uh woman who was a fan of the team she she passed away recently and and uh she just really took a liking to the team and especially the players and she would bring them um snacks before they went on their road trip you know like l- little awesome. bags of 
of, you know, gummy bears or, or, you know, healthy food, like those kind of stuff. And, um, granola bars, I think is the word I was trying to look for, but, you know, she would do all these, these really nice things and go out of her way. And, um, unfortunately she, the, the Buttes found out she passed away right before the, the Wake Placid games. Um, or maybe it was after that first game. I, I can't recall, but, um, they did something really nice where they're going to have, um, the, the captain uh, of the team kind of like pick a, a, a player that to win like this, this award named after this woman that passed away. That was uh, such a diehard fan. And I, I thought that was really a, a really classy move. Um, and I know that the, the one player Taylor Kersey, that, that uh, she's the captain of the Buttes. Um, she was somebody that was really close with this woman. And I know it affected her a lot. And um, I'm, I'm really happy that, you know, to be a part of, a group of people that do things like that, that really kind of look out for each other in their community. Um, and, and that's the, the one thing uh, about the NWHL, as I mentioned, like you, you're not going to get that kind of um, that access or those egos that you sometimes come across as well with other professional sports. We're not, we're not dropping names or anything, but there's been those people that just don't like to commit, you know, to, to go with fans. And, and I, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. And I, Unfortunately, living in West Michigan, it sucks because the closest team I think we have is Toronto. And, mm. it, you know, it's six hours away. It's okay. But, I mean, it's – well, right now it sucks because I can't really go – I can go to Canada. I can't come back from Canada. Right, don't, right. Don't need to get into that whole story and that whole shtick. But, that's <laughs> but you know, I see the videos all the time because like, they do typically play in smaller rinks and public rinks to the NWHL. Mm-hmm. And, of course, for those that remember the CWHL as well. I know yep. to see players walk out of the locker room and – There'll be, there's be like a, a four year old girl sitting there just kind of watch him to walk out and she just gets all excited because, hey, you're seeing, you know, women play hockey and like it's really cool. And all the players come over and give her high fives and she comes back yeah. all smiling, rosy cheeks. And I'm like, and that girl's going to be on Team USA in 2033 or something like that. You know, it's it's those things that inspire player people to stay with the sport or stay with the game and want to do it because they want to do that later on down the line in their life. That's what helps grow the game. Why us guys keep playing hockey? I don't know. We never get any good stuff from the guys that play hockey these days, <laughs> unless you, unless you find them in the summertime. But, but those interactions during the game, like this is, they're coming out for the second period and they're just going over and high five in this four year, five year old. Yeah. And that's what makes women's hockey so special. And that's why during the Lake Placid games, the the Twitch streams were just amazing to be a part of. And I know we mentioned this the last time we had Yandan. It was so much fun to be in those chat rooms because it wasn't hockey Twitter. This was women's hockey conversation. And it was just fun. People that, you know, some people that watch hockey, love hockey, that were maybe pessimistic, they loved watching it. People that had never watched hockey before were watching this and they thought this was cool. It was so unique and that's what makes women's hockey special. Yeah, it, that was uh, a phenomenal. I think the, the NWHL really hit a, a, a gold mine with, with that uh, uh, partnership with Twitch and, and the chat room as the game is going on, where people can learn about the game, learn about the players, and and, and do it in a, a friendly, somewhat safe atmosphere because you're always going to have a couple of knuckleheads. Um, but I, I think back to what, you know when I was a kid, and and um, I never really had those opportunities to see athletes up close, right? Right. Um, and, and now you see it a little bit more, probably, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an older guy, but um, I, I see it a lot more now, I think, with and in and, and, uh, male, male sports, too. You know, like you see the, the, 
the relief pitcher having a catch with a kid in the stands during a game, right? Like that's a moment that that kid is always going to remember for the rest of his life. And, and it might inspire him to become a baseball player or somehow involved in the game um, to, to see, as you mentioned, you know, the kids getting fist bumps as the players are walking to the rink. Uh, I, I was very fortunate uh, where the Riveters played at the devil's practice rink for three years or three seasons. And uh, to, to get to the rink, they had kind of had to walk through the crowd and it was always really neat to see, the, the fans kind of like part the Red Seas as the, as the players walk by. And um, like you mentioned, you know, a little girl gets a fist bump and she turns around to her mom like, oh, my God, can you believe that just happened? Like, And she might not even know who that player is at, at that point, but it, it didn't matter. You know, it, it, it touched her in a way that, um, that really I, I just, you know, it, I think it just creates a fan for life. Um, and a, in a similar situation, if I could tell her, I could try and make this as brief as possible. Um, take your time, that's, Dan. You're good. That 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 same kind of situation kind of unfolded where uh, it was uh, uh, Boston was in New Jersey to play a game and and uh, Boston's captain Jillian Dempsey always the last one off the ice, hardest worker on the ice, um, always working on her shot, her edges, um, all that. And um, as she's finishing up her her pregame routine, there's a little girl um, who happened to be at her first game that we found out later on. She was you know, kind of against the glass with her hands just pressed up and um, Jillian skated over and, and kind of like waved to her and she waved back. And the little girl was like, oh my God, like somebody that's, you know, on the other side of this glass is waving at me. So Dems comes off the ice um, and she made sure to bring a puck with her and she gave it to the little girl. She made it a point to, to, to come around past her locker room to come over to where this little girl was and, and give her a puck. And um, her dad uh, took a picture with Dempsey holding her um, so this little girl was like, you know, fan for life now. Uh, another, I think two years go by and she came to another game in New Jersey. Um, and now she's obviously a couple of years older. I think she maybe was four at the first game. Now she's maybe six. Um, hopefully I'm getting that right. It's, uh, I'm, I'm not good with kids ages, but, uh, older, she, they uh, are older. That's, that's all we yeah. know. <laughs> so she comes to the game and, and her dad brings it down by the locker room. Uh, as the, the game ends and the players are streaming out of the locker room after they take their showers, you know, they, they, they get into their, uh, uh, you know, coats and whatever to get on the bus to go back to the hotel. And this little girl was there with uh, hockey cards of herself that she started signing for each player that was coming out. And it was like the most adorable thing. Um, I, I know a bunch of the players said, you know, they took it home, they put it on their refrigerator um, those kind of things. So it, it, it kind of goes both ways where, um, you know, the, the, the players are, are making the fans day when they give them that little fist bump or something like that. But when they kind of get that, that uh, love and appreciation back, uh, that means the world to them, you know, that that's worth more than um, any paycheck that they'll ever make for, for doing anything. Um, and, and I, I, I wanted to mention the, the little girl's name and I don't remember it, her dad uh, is Joe and follows me on Twitter. And, and I was able to, uh, um, you know, uh, thank him for or, or, or show him some of the pictures that I took of, of that uh, second encounter. And it was th- those are priceless moments. Like those are things that like even I'm going to always kind of remember that like uh, as a, a really a heartfelt moment. And I, and I see it so often, with especially with these players, uh, how much they go out of their way to to really make. The, the younger generation feel included and, and 
uh, feel like that this is something that they can attain to do and, and be. It, it's so unique. And that's why I think, like I said, it, it goes both ways. You know, the, the older players are trying to make it fun for the fans and inspire them to be the next generation. But in the same token, you see that like, a little girl giving out, you know, hockey carts of her to these players. And that just shows the current players like, hey, we're playing for something more here. And that's what's really yeah. cool. And I mean, uh, that that's that's another thing too. Jillian Dempsey, get ready for a hockey game. Big game coming up here. I'm going to hold a four-year-old for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Austin Matthews. I'm you don't really I don't see Austin Matthews coming over and saying hello to a to an Now, granted, I'm pretty sure if Austin Matthews went to the crowd at 19,000 seat Scotiabank Arena, I'm pretty sure there'd be a mob scene. But right, but, right. But but hey, that is the goal. The goal is when Jillian Dempsey goes out to say hi to a girl, that 30,000 people come streaming down from the top of the rafters at the TD Garden to go say hi because that that is what I, I it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen, right, Dan? Like someday, yeah. I. I can't say it's going to happen in 2022 or the next presidential election, but it just feels like it's going to happen in some capacity at some point. Yeah. And I don't think, you know, I think, um, with some of the the players that play in the dream gap tour, I think their goal is to play, um, in those grand NHL buildings one day. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think they, that's, that's their ultimate end goal, I think. And, and they want that, I don't know if they want the NHL's money, but they want, you know, some kind of, of backing somebody to support them. Um, and I don't know if, if that's the right way to go. I don't know if it, if it is or it isn't. Um, I think what they should maybe be, uh, you know, aiming for is, is not, not skipping steps. Uh, and I don't know if I'm going to explain this the right way, but maybe, maybe aim for, for, you know, trying to fill up an AHL building. Those buildings hold, uh, at least around here, um, the ones that I've been to, maybe 5,000 to 8,000 people. Yeah, ju- junior ranks in Canada, yeah, those kind of, yeah. Right, okay, so if, if you can fill one of them, then okay, now we have like kind of a starting point, but they want to go from, um, you know, uh, uh, some of the NWHL teams, they play in, in practice ranks of NHL teams. The, right, the, the Riveters are going to be returning to Newark this year for eight of their ten home games. That place holds maybe 300 to 500 people, uh, maybe a little bit more than that. But it's not like an assigned seating kind of thing. It's, it's kind of bleacher-style seating. Right. Um, the, the rink in Boston where, where the pride play is, is shared by the Boston Bruins. That's their practice facility. Um, so that one's, you know, you only have seats on one side of, of the ice. There's no seats on the other side. So that's, that's taking away, you know, seating and, and options and stuff like that. Uh, Minnesota, same thing. They they play in the in the wild practice facility. Um, so the, the, these are are good good buildings for them to kind of be in now. But I think the next step should be that maybe move up to the those AHL junior style ranks, um, and then maybe try and take that next step. But I think sometimes everybody wants to go from point A to point Z, and you kind of have to go along the steps to to get there. And and um, yeah, of course, you know we want you know them playing in front of sold-out buildings, uh, being on, on some TV channel somewhere uh, where it, it's not, uh, you know, on a laptop or on your phone. But you have to kind of build it up to get there. We can't just snap our fingers and make it happen. Um, I, I told um, Danny Ryland, who used to be the commissioner, um, I, I, I told her in, in one of the last times we conversed, I said, you know, uh, I was obviously really sorry to, to see her go because I, I really uh, – um, have enjoyed and I feel re-energized um, 
with my writing since I started covering women's hockey and particularly the NWHL. And, and I told her, you know, if I could, if I couldn't get like a, 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 you know, a great paying job covering the NWHL, I would give up covering the NHL in a heartbeat. Like yeah. I wouldn't even think twice about it because I've had so much fun and I've met so many great people through the NWHL. And I, I would just, you know, it, it's just become something that I like, I'm, I'm very passionate about. And, um, you know, 10 years ago, I would have told you you were crazy if you would have told me I was going to say this to you, but, but that's kind of how the world works sometimes, right? You, you don't know what you're going to be interested in uh, five, 10 years down the road. And, and now I can't, I can't really, you know, like if I cease to, to, to cover the, the NWHL, I, I would kind of be like broken up. Like I wouldn't know what to do with myself. Um, but it, it's just been, it's been really cool to, to be a part of something um building from the ground up now i wasn't there from day one i was there from you know like two weeks after day one we'll say um but i like to consider myself being there from the beginning and, and i've seen um i've seen enough games in person I've, I've traveled um all over the place to see them play and and i wouldn't do anything differently like i, I have zero regrets about um anything that i've i've done involving that league and I'm doing what I can to promote it, make it bigger, uh, make more people aware of it, whether it's through my writing or if it's, you know, buying a Connecticut whale shirt and wearing it to the store or to the concert or, or, or to a movie and, and, or to a bar and somebody asks you about it. And then it becomes a conversation piece, a conversation starter. Um, and maybe that person becomes interested. Maybe they don't, but you know, if I'm not wearing the shirt, we don't, have that conversation and and you never know so uh yeah so whatever i could do to help them i i, I definitely would do and I, I think the eventually women's hockey will get to that point um but i don't think it's going to happen overnight and i do hope hope um gosh i hope it happens in my lifetime i mean i'm not that old but i'm i'm old but i'm not that old so i feel like i got a few a couple of really uh uh good decades left in me here and and i'd like to see things uh, progress in the way that I think they, they should. Uh, me too. I mean, it's I wear my Toronto six shirt sometimes into the studio. Now, granted, once again, I have to emphasize that I am in Michigan. I'm a Toronto yeah. six fan and a Toronto sports fan. So I get my crap when I wear my Leafs or my J stuff, whatever, but I wear the Toronto six shirt and literally no clue. Like usually some people would joke. I'm like, Hey, isn't that the Ottawa senators? Cause they're the similar colors. <laughs> right, and yeah, I'm like, yeah. I made those jokes. I'm like, ah, yeah, no Toronto six, whatever. But then some people are like, what? women's like I work in a I, there is a sports station in the in the studio that I work at but even then the guys are like there's a women's professional hockey league and I'm like I'm gonna yeah. sit you down I'm gonna have a conversation with you friend the NWHL is this yeah. wonderful league that everyone should watch obviously they're gonna be back on Twitch again this coming season do we know Dan of any TV deal or any special broadcast I know a couple of years ago in 19, they did the NWHL All-Star Game in Nashville on NBCSN. Obviously, the finals last year that were moved to Boston, but the NWHL Isabel Cup last year, the finals and semifinals were on NBCSN. Obviously, a handful of Dream Gap games too as well. But does the National Women's Hockey League have an idea for a TV deal of any sort coming up this year? Or is that kind of just the way things are in this economy that's not, not, not a possibility? As of now, I don't think there is. Um, I just want to correct you that the, the, the All-Star in Nashville wasn't on uh, NBCSN. Those 
excuse me, those playoff games were the first ones on uh, a TV station. Right. It was on the, wasn't it on the NBC app or I, I just remember watching it on a big screen TV. It yeah. might've been, but that was around the same time when then the, you know, Kendall Coyne Schofield did the, uh, fastest um, skater, right. That the fastest skater out in San Jose. So that was the following year. Cause I don't think she was, she was gone from the white caps by then. Uh, she only played one season with them. Right. Um, but either way, uh, I, I'm not sure. I, I, I couldn't say right now, um, other than Twitch, that that's the only place that I know the games are going to be broadcast on. Um, I know at the rink where the Riveters are playing, uh, eventually, because the, the first two games won't be in, in Newark, but the last eight games, um, that that rink has a dedicated YouTube channel, so I'm not sure if the games are gonna. Now it's just a, a camera that kind of just kind of you know pans oh, back like and forth. Oh, like a live barn, yeah, live barn, yep. Right, right, exactly. And I know they do that for a lot of, and they've done that a lot more recently because of COVID. With you know, they host a lot of uh, youth games and high school games and stuff like that. And when you couldn't have you know too many people in the building, I, I'm pretty sure that's. You know, they dedicated this channel for that. So at least you can watch your kid from the parking lot or, or wherever you're watching from. Right. Um, so uh, other than that kind of thing, I don't I don't, I, I don't think um, they have anything planned. There is going to be an outdoor game in Buffalo in, in February on a Monday afternoon uh, where Buffalo hosts Toronto. Ooh. And I, I would think, you know, maybe that's something uh, that uh, – a Canadian broadcaster maybe would pick up. Um, but that's just me, you know, hopefully wishing, guessing um, for something really nice like that. It would be the second time the, the league does uh, an official outdoor game. Um, uh, the Riveters played up there uh, in 2019, at, at the end of 2019, late December, um, and won a really wild game where uh, Buffalo had a player score four goals and they still lost the game. So, so it's perfect that Toronto is going to play in this game is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. So to make sure everybody tunes in, I believe it's a Monday afternoon because it's a holiday. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm spacing on it. It might be President's Day here in the States um, or President's, yeah, President's Day, I guess. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Um, I, I don't know about, you know, NBC, SN, I believe is, is won't be a, a channel anymore at the end of this calendar year right yeah um so i don't i wouldn't think that would be an option um but we're well, also peacock. Kinda, there's there's all I, this yeah, the big I, thing I, of peacock. I, guess, I guess peacock could be a thing um you know I, i've said in the past whether it was on a podcast or um in a private message with a player or a fellow writer um you know i don't think they should try and limit themselves to try and get on just um uh, NBC or CBS Sportsnet channel or, or Fox Sports one or two or three or, or any of those channels. I think, you know, they find any channel, you know, if you can find TNT or TBS or Oprah has a network, right? Oprah is all about empowering women. Why can't we get themes on there? Get, get on, um, yeah. It'll, be, it'll, it'll like the NHL when they were on OLN for that first year, you're going to have the NWHL right. on own. Right. Okay. So, I mean, yeah. So, yeah. You know, there's there's other options, and I feel like sometimes, whether it's fans or, or you know, again, not I don't want to make it seem like I'm trying to hate on the the, the dream gap players, but but I, I feel like they kind of, you know, they're missing those those steps. Like 
so what if you have to play on you know some weird channel as long as it's on uh you know most most places where people can tune in it's better than no channel right and, and it's we we've gone with the nwhl the first year games were on youtube um i think they were on youtube the second year too um and then they they had games on twitter where it was kind of like you could just click link right at the top of your your twitter account and and or your timeline or whatever you want to call it and you could watch the the live feed right there were some of the streams pretty bad 100 percent. were some of the streams really bad yeah there was there was one game I I, I want to say it was when they did a game in Pittsburgh where it was Connecticut and Buffalo, and they didn't have something happened with a camera setup didn't didn't arrive or it wasn't set up the right way and they ended up you know somebody sat there basically between the benches and and held their, se- their cell phone and panned oh. back and forth as as the play kept going back and forth you know so Gosh, that's a, we, that's... we've come a long way and, and that's why I was so so happy and so proud of, of the players when they were able to have those games on NBTSN. And that was awesome. But, you know, and that should be, you know, the end game goal. But I think you kind of had to take a few steps along the way, um, you know, get games on A and E or, or, you know, any of these channels, there's so many channels out there now. Like, hey, the, the national women's soccer league was on lifetime. People forget about right, that. Yeah. Right. So yeah. So that's, that's another option. Like there, there's so many other options out there. Don't, don't limit yourselves and don't pigeonhole. Like you, you were only going to shoot for, for these particular ones. Like just, just, you know, make a first step and then, and then build your way towards it. Um, which I guess, from thinking about everything I've said today, that seems to be a theme of, of, of mine. It's just, we have to build, it has to be gradual. You can't just go, you know, uh, A to Z in, in two seconds. You have to, you have to kind of go through the journey. Well, let's hope that happens eventually. Cause like I said, you and I both want to be able to go to an arena and watch a game. Now, granted, I would just like to send a message to Tyler and if she can, you know, get a team here in Michigan, even if it's in Detroit, I will drive or Chicago Get a team in my neck of the woods, for goodness sakes, because I wouldn't mind going to a couple of these games and talking about it because they're fun games to watch on TV, let alone actually being there. Maybe that's just me being a little biased. And let me just add, too, I know you said, you know, you you live closest to Toronto, but you could also support there are a few Michigan-born players in in the league. So that's another another angle that you can kind of, you know, uh, go down and and, uh, uh, whether it's, you know, having those players on your show, supporting them that way, or buying their jerseys where they get a percentage of that money. Um, you know, there's, there's a, a, I think there was another player too just drafted from Minnesota, the, the first overall pick. Um, um, yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, Taylor Gerard. She's yes. from, uh, uh, is it Livonia she's from? I'm, yeah, I'm not, she's, I'm, a, she's an East Sider. That's the one bummer. West Michigan girls hockey, it's it's getting better, but it's nothing like the, the east side of the state, the honey bakes, the bell tires. They still have a stranglehold on it. Hear yeah. that, hon? I got to buy some T-shirts. We got to get some <laughs> NWHL stuff. She's, she's the financial advisor, so I have to go. go the per- big purchase got to go through her. her. Got to run through the boss. We have been chatting here with Dan Rice from the Hockey Writers. Guys, be sure to follow him on Twitter. He's an awesome guy. He likes to talk. He likes to talk women's hockey. Be sure to get a hold of him there. He is at, oh gosh, I just had it written down somewhere. Where is it? No, no. Dang it. DR. DR Diablo THW. Yes. There you go. That's what it was. And let's say, I want to make sure I had it right because if I got it wrong, I was not going to be able to forgive myself. Dan, thanks again for coming on once again, man. Enjoy the Women's World Championships and let's be talking NWHL. When the season comes around and we actually have some full season games, it'll be fun, man. 
Absolutely. Uh, I can't thank you enough for having me on. Uh, I really appreciate uh, not only you giving me the platform to talk about this, uh, but your enthusiasm and, and uh, your attention to detail. Uh, you know, I've, I've not to poo-poo on anybody, but I've, I've done a few of these things where you, you can kind of tell who's prepared and who's not prepared. And um, anytime you, you want me to come on, uh, just give me a shout and I'm more than happy to, to help you out. Well, to be honest, Dan, I had about two weeks to get ready for this show, so I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll go with that. But, uh, oh man, it's always fun talking to you, Dan. All right. You take care. We're going to take a quick break here, folks, on 12 on Sports. When we come back, State of Hoppy to talk about Minnesota hockey here on the Kula Show here on 12 on Sports. And welcome back to the Kula Show, everyone. Tyler Kula here, the insider of the insiders for this August the 16th. Had to make sure what day it was. Sorry, when you don't do a show for two weeks, guys, you just kind of forget what day it is. You just know that your move-in date was August the 8th, and then you just go on from there. But we had an awesome conversation just before the break with Dan Rice from the Hockey Writers Talking Women's Hockey. Be sure, to guys, to check that out as well. Make sure you check it out on the Kiel Show YouTube channel up tomorrow on demand and on your favorite podcatcher as well if you feel like just listening to us. Because I guess if you don't want to see my ugly mug, I totally understand, even though you're missing out on a couple cool banners behind me here. But that's neither here nor there. Let's jump back to the NHL side of things, the Minnesota side of things, if you will. Yes, I know we talked with Pat McAlady a couple weeks ago. Yes, we've been focused on the Central Division a lot lately. Calm down. It's fun. It's awesome. And the Central Division, guys, may be the toughest division next year. We'll explain why when we bring in one of the co-hosts of the Soda Pod on the Hockey Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. None other than Hoppy, State of Hoppy. Hoppy, how are we doing today, man? We're doing great, and I don't know what you're talking about, Tyler. Uh, last time we did this, I actually had to call in via phone, and this is a far more pleasant experience seeing your beautiful face. Oh, thanks, Hoppy. Now, granted, now that was not Hoppy's fault. That was my fault. But now that we're at this house, and according to my drop frames at 0%, as I pound on this wooden table harder than anything, we should be okay. But, Hoppy, man, let, let's first of all, there's something we need to address here. If anyone who ever watches the Soda Pod, which you can, by the way, every Sunday night, right, guys? Right, Hoppy? Uh, the live streams are definitely hit or miss right now just because it's summertime, but uh, we always drop the podcast and a lot of video content on Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays. Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays because you have to see, if you're listening to the podcast right now on the Kula Show, that's totally fine. Whether you listen on Google, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, whatever, that's fine. Jump over to the Kula Show YouTube channel when you're watching this because look at the, first of all, the Marco Rossi sweater. Love that right behind you there. The Ottawa 67 sweater. But the Growler collection behind Hoppy is impressive. And Hoppy, you said it right before we came on here, that is not it. <laughs> no, I'd say that's probably a eh, just a touch over half. So, and I mentioned this off top of the show, if you're just joining us here on the Kula Show on 12 Ounce Sports, they, on the Soda Pod, they don't just talk hockey, even though that's fun to talk about, but they, you guys love to talk about craft beer. And I myself, yes, I drink my fair share of Canadian and uh, Bells over here as well, but I love trying different craft beers. Whenever I go to a brewery, I got to have a flight because I need to have like six or seven beers. In Minnesota, you guys have a pretty good scene. Now, yes, in Grand Rapids, we are we, we were known as Beer City USA, but Minnesota's got a pretty good uh, craft brew scene. Oh, man, it's pretty crazy, too, to see how it keeps on growing. Like, even through COVID, there were some that were opening up. 
Um, but yeah, it, there's a little over 200, I think, throughout the state of Minnesota. I've been to 99 of them, big Holy 100 moly. coming up here. Um, but man, so you talk about Grand Rapids being Beer City. At one point, and it's not the case anymore, they're somewhere in the mix, but Duluth, Minnesota, home of the Bulldogs, people are probably familiar with from college hockey supremacy, they actually at one point were the city throughout the, all of the U.S. that had the highest breweries per capita. Holy um, moly. Up there, and I mean, they're not a small town by any means, especially in Minnesota standards, but uh, obviously nothing compared to the Twin Cities, but they've got double-digit breweries up there. Well, and that's that's funny thing too because people think Duluth because whenever people see a big college they think oh it's a big town well Duluth is it's a bigger town but it, you're right it's not like the Twin Cities where it's you know wall to wall people all the time it seems like Duluth's a little bit of a smaller town right oh yeah for sure yeah and, and that's what makes that's what makes those kind of places fun like we, up um, we live on the west side of Grand Rapids but if you go north to like Rockford yes it's within driving distance of Grand Rapids but it's smaller and there's like a couple cool breweries in there and and people like it whatnot now granted half of that is considered Grand Rapids so the greater Grand Rapids area I guess is the way you call it so it just kind of blends into the Grand Rapids brewery scene now if you went out to like Lansing now granted Lansing doesn't have a whole lot of anything but that's neither here nor there that'd be more I guess comparable to because Lansing East Lansing in particular has Michigan State very similar to the size of Duluth, but there's nothing good in East Lansing. Don't tell my wife I said that. Anyways, um, she's a big Sparty fan. All of her family went to Michigan State. But oh boy. Hoppy, let's uh, let's get into the the hockey here. The actual the even though we like to drink beer and watch hockey, let's talk about the players that don't drink beer and watch hockey or play hockey because that'd probably not be the best idea. Oh, not- so we can't talk about Oshie then. Uh, well, okay. Now what they do in the beauty league is up to them. They can do whatever they want. Then Alex Stalock can do whatever he wanted, whatever makes him more flexible and less likely to blow another knee out. Um, cause there's a couple games on. Oh yeah. Do you watch, do you follow a lot of that to beauty league? I know it's, it's pretty cool down there. I think they play in a diner, right? Yep. They play right in a diner. So actually two years ago was, I think it was two years ago now was the inaugural season of it. It was $5 to get in, went to charity and, me and my buddy would go occasionally on Wednesdays. It's like a 10 minute drive for me. And I mean, it was maybe two thirds capacity at the time. And hmm. my understanding now is that it's a $15 ticket and it's like standing room, like <sighs> just packed every time. Uh, I don't know what's going on now with some of the, you know, COVID stuff coming on, but yeah. uh, I know they already had to say that kids can't sit in the, the alley and wait for autographs anymore, but I mean, it's still a really cool thing that they do. Yeah, it, it's a fun. The Beauty League is a four-on-four summer league that college NHLers play in to get in shape, I guess is the way to describe it. That's the same way that Jeff Hogan of the Grandpa's Griffins used to get in shape when he'd come skate with us in the summertime. I just gave him an excuse to get away from his wife. Um, but it's it's fun to watch. Like um, Back when he played, Dustin Bufflin played in it. I think Brock Bester was still a part of it for a little bit. Oh, yeah. um, Team Bick is the big one there is at least that's the one i always seem to see in the twitter feed on there but let's get to the the big team in minnesota the minnesota wild i you know when we had pat on a couple weeks ago hoppy it was so weird it had just happened the brian Suter and zach parise buyouts and we i pretty much asked pat like pat Next year is going to be okay, right? Because the next three after that are just going to be miserable for the Wild. And Hoppy, I'm asking the same question. 
Are the Wild going to be able to make next year worth it? Because after next, this coming season, it's not going to be a fun time in the state of hockey. No, but it's interesting because it's kind of a double-edged sword there too, where yes, like this is the year that you'd think they'd capitalize, but I mean, you're going to fall off the cliff if you try and bring in a bunch of big contracts and then can't make it work next year. Um, I think this year is a little bit of a step back. Um, the blue line, not like a major downgrade, but it got worse. You can't debate that. We're probably going to see some level of goaltending regression. I do still think the tandem is going to be in a great position, but they played pretty well last year. And then we've got a forward group. Nothing's changed, except we're going to be injecting a couple of young guns potentially throughout the run. But that's where I think that moving past this year, where this is going to be a little bit of a setback, kind of find themselves a little bit, you're hoping that by next season, we're going to have Boldy, we're going to have Rossi, we're going to have Addison all playing bigger roles because they got that first year hump out of the way. And that's the only way they're going to get through all of this is with those ELCs, right? Yeah, and, and that's how that's how you have to do it in today's cap world. And this is before the flat cap even came into existence. You need to have, yes, you have your big guns, your $9, $10 million players, but you also need guys that can play for eight hundred k of the ELCs that can be efficient. And that's, what, and that's what the Wild have had to do for the longest time. Now, though, they kind of went with a big contract today, granted one year. This is why I think it's Bill Guerin's like, all right, we're going to try it this year, and then we're just it's just going to go pfft. Because you get Kevin Fiala for one year at $5.1 million. Mm-hmm. Now, you can now tell me, is Kevin Fiala worth over $5 million? Or do you think this is, hey, Kevin, we need you for one year. Whatever you want, sign it. Whatever. We'll do what we got to do. Um, I think Kevin Fiala is in a weird spot where he's shown signs and flashes of greatness, but it's never really been put together. And I do think it's a little overblown, his inconsistency, right? Like he doesn't go on major bad streaks, but there's question marks defensively. He's not always popping on the score sheet, but he also hasn't really played with anyone in all fairness. True. Yeah. Um, so I think this year is kind of a prove it year for both sides, right? Like, Garen will be thrilled to be in a, a huge contract dispute next year because Fiala popped off and, you know, potted 30 plus. But it's kind of that chance to see because he wasn't going to get the long-term deal for the dollars he wanted based on the track record thus far. So he's taken this one year, prove it. And if not, then, I mean, probably part ways at that point and you get less return, which is a bummer. Yeah, and that's the and that's the hard part because I I remember we we mentioned the numbers because that's what I think the big thing is everyone says this has to be the year for the Minnesota Wild to at least try to go for it because <sighs> that's not happening. <laughs> it, well, it's going to be tough because like I said, this year they're only paying a little over four, almost four point eight million dollars between Parise and Suter for buyout, but then almost thirteen mil over almost fifteen mil, almost fifteen mil for the next three years. It's it's mm-hmm. it's going to be rough. But like I said, you still have the goaltending, though. You still have Cam Talbot, and surprise to me, still Kapokakinen, because I thought that was going to be the guy Seattle was taking. They take Carson Soucy instead, and now with them getting uh, Philip Grubauer, I think the goaltending situation in Seattle is just fine and dandy. But I thought Kakinen was going to be the guy. Now we're seeing, like you mentioned, there's probably going to be some aggression. Cam Talbot has shown that he can be a good goaltender, but he does come in waves. But now that he has a good backup behind him, I'm pretty sure if you know if you're Dean Evison, you look at that and you say, "All right, I have two goaltenders. I can go one A with one. They fall back, then the other guy goes in, and that's the point of having a good tandem." 
Yeah, and it's funny, too. We were just talking about it on our show uh, the other night. Kockinen's still technically a rookie. So uh, he is actually the best rookie going into wild training camp this year. Call their trophy. It's it's hey, open this baby. year. Back to back. I think it'd be but, the first time that would ever happen. If, obviously, knock on wood. But, yeah. If, if. But, uh, I, to be honest, I don't really care about that stuff. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I think this year, it hurts more to lose Susie and keep Kockinen, but long-term it's absolutely a better scenario for the wild to land Kockinen and have him sit there, learn under Talbot, not have to step in and play that number one role. We got two more years of Talbot on what's turned out to be a really good cheap deal for a very capable, you know, again, one, a one B timeshare type goalie, which is going to help largely get through this, just very unfortunate financial time. Um, man, you know, you mentioned obviously the the price goes up for Suter and Parisi here in the next three years. There are contracts that are going to come off. We lose Victor Rask, who we're just going to miss so dearly <laughs> after this season. Um, I love the sincerity. That's, that's, that's four mil off the books. The year after that, it's Dumba, six mil off the books. So you're going to be able to piecemeal some of this. Garen has shown he's not afraid to pull the trigger and move players where needed. So he can finesse and do what he needs to, especially with now their cupboard being pretty stocked with prospects. You know, I'm mm -hmm. not sitting here clamoring to trade a Rossi or a Boldy, but if you can bring in a top-tier talent, I know Eichel's obviously been tossed around a lot, if you throw in an extra piece, you know, one of those mid-tier prospects on top of any kind of deal you're doing there, maybe you get them to retain salary. Heck, you can get Eichel for six or seven mil a year. I think Garen can find a way to make that work, especially if a Kevin Fiala is part of that trade. Yeah, and it's, I remember I was looking at the numbers, and I, if I'm not mistaken, I heard what Kevin Adams was asking for was <laughs> like, an idiot. <laughs> to, well, yeah. It's so hard. Maybe I'm I'm slightly like trying to be generous and positive towards him because he played for the, he was one of the first real Griffins prospects to come back in the '90s up there, and then he won a cup, and then he's the first Griffin everyone is selling up. But anyways, it I, I see the moves that he's made, and I know now he's trying to hold after getting fleeced for Taylor Hall, which we all saw was going to happen anyways. But he realizes he can't let that happen with Jack Eichel. I think the price was one or two prospects. I think it was like one or two. It was either two first round picks, or it had to be a first and a second round pick, and a current player. So it, he, I, that's a general. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I'm probably off by a one or two pieces, but that's the high price that Kevin Adams is sticking to for Jack Eichel because he's realizing that if he's going to give up this big prospect, whether Jack Eichel plays another game again, because that is still a, a minute a possibility, but like he wants to make sure he gets as much as full return especially if like you said if he's gonna have to retain some cash yeah problem is he's kind of put himself in a really bad spot there because i'm totally with kevin adams you want to maximize the value you get back for this player guess what the player has a procedure that he wants to get done on his neck that i understand where there's reservation by the club but guess what until that's done teams aren't going to be paying you top dollar they want to see that he can come back from it right so the other option is let him get the procedure and then force him, hey, you have to play, right? Because at that point, he wants to make his 10 mil. But right now, Kevin Adams is letting Eichel sit, not going to have any possibility of him playing for the team. He's going to get his full 10 million in salary and no one's going to trade because he's going to keep sitting there 
in the same health predicament that he's in. So like something's got to get, he's either got to lower the asking price or he's got to let him go forward and get the procedure he wants. You know, I would love to get Jordan DeShane in this conversation. He does the Buffalo Sabres writing for the hockey writers because him and I have gone after the Pajulas time and again. And <laughs> I, I do wonder, maybe this is the tin hat sitting on my head here, but how much you think is the Pajula saying, we're not going to allow him to do this? Because I, I, I feel like Kevin, I don't think Kevin can be this dumb. But then again, Kevin, the reason why he got the job is because he had such a good relationship with the Pajulas in the first he's place. A <laughs> yeah, and that's why I wonder... If Kevin's thinking, listen, if we let him get this thing and it works out, then we can make big bucks. Or if anything, holy smokes, he gets the procedure, it works, he comes back in full form, and oh my goodness, the Sabres are good. God forbid that happens too, Hoppy. That's that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, Who has the biggest reservations on this? Is it Kevin Adams? Or is it a little bit higher up the food chain? I think it's one of the same, to your point. The reason he's got the job is because he's going to do what they tell him to. That's true. Get rid of Taylor Hall. Let's get something for him. Uh, I can only do $4 million. I, They're asking me to keep $4 million. That's fine. We got the Buffalo Bills. They're in the championship game. We're fine. Buffalo Bills leaving Buffalo. Oh, gosh. Man, the Bills. Good Lord. I, Buffalo Buffalo needs a winner. That's why I was, like, cheering for the Bills last year because I'm like, you know what? They That city needs to have a champion because all those people that got put through flaming tables, they had to pay for hospital bills somehow. It's got to happen for that city in some form. And unfortunately... The Sabres won't make it happen. But I, I remember because the Rangers were seemingly the front runners for Eichel. And I know we're somehow going away from the wild, but this is how I'm tying it back in. How much do you think Billy Garrett is willing to get rid of to get Jack Eichel? If he is still actually willing, if that's still a possibility. It's absolutely still a possibility. People like to say, oh, no, Bill Garrett said he's out at this price. Okay, at this price. I couldn't begin to speculate what Bill Guerin is willing to give up. Pretty much where I sit, and there, there's a little bit of flexibility to this, but pretty much where I reach is Fiala, Boldy, first-round pick. That's about as far as I'm willing to go, at least as it sits today. If we had a fully healthy Jack Eichel, way different conversation. Oh, then you're giving up Iowa. Um, <laughs> we'll give them the whole state. We don't need it. Well, yeah, no, yeah. Well, some of the <laughs> Iowa Wild, you know, the whole state – well, the whole state, the whole state has less value than the Iowa Wild. Let's be honest here, kids. I know people from Iowa. They'd agree with me. There's, there's the Hawkeyes and a couple great breweries, though. A couple great. There's breweries. a couple. There's that's the thing about some of those small towns. There's a couple good breweries in small towns like that. Oh baby. However, if you're driving too fast, you'll miss them. Right. <laughs> and people go 90 through Iowa to get through Iowa. Same, same thing with Nebraska. From people I've been told. Oh, man, my, my dad's from Nebraska. I'm a depressed Cornhuskers fan because being a Minnesota fan isn't painful enough. Speaking, my buddy from Iowa is a, big, is a big Huskers fan, and he has the same predicament every year. I can't say much, though, because I, I, I don't know. Maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong in this. I'm a, I'm a Michigan fan. I'm going to Michigan Rutgers next month, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I, I, is it because like I look at the Huskers and I'm like, you guys shouldn't feel bad. No, you guys shouldn't have any expectations. We have expectations and we suck every year. Yeah, it's different. There's definitely the the difference of whether there's expectations or not, which I mean, that's pretty much the epitome of the Minnesota Twins. But right. I don't know. At a certain point, it gets old just being like, yeah, maybe maybe in a couple of years. We'll see. And I, I don't know. I, I still have faith in Scott Frost. It's not going to happen quick, but uh, this would irk any Minnesota fans listening, but 
I'll take him over the cheerleader that is P.J. Fleck. Listen, when Michigan smoked Minnesota last year, I thought to myself, Michigan's going to be good, and then Minnesota sucked. So that really yeah, no, that, that's not a good barometer. That, that did not help out at all. <laughs> that, that made it look really bad. Gosh almighty, college football season. I love, listen, I, I, everyone knows, obviously this is a hockey program. I love hockey, love college hockey, everything hockey. College football season comes around every Saturday afternoon. I'm not, I'm stuck in my TV. I, I can't, I can't move from it. NFL, I, I still, I do, I do watch the NFL, but I don't watch it as hard as college. I bring out the set, I bring out this TV that's in here. I bring it to the living room to watch college football. That's what I do all yeah. day. My wife hates it, but I don't care. <laughs> Fair enough. I get yelled at on Sundays for it, but it's okay. Um, but no, I, how am I, whoa, how did we get here? Uh, oh yeah, Iowa, the state of Iowa. I was saying like, how did we get to college football here? on the Keela show here on 12 Hour sports it but the wild itself I, i'm trying to figure it out because i'm like i want to say because the central division is going to be a weird and fun and crazy division this coming year that's scary it's, because yeah you have the teams that may i mean i'm gonna go on a limb here your bottom two teams may be well so i'll say bottom three because i think arizona is going to finish last but St. Louis and Nashville may be going six and seven in this division. Wow, you're the only person that agrees with me. Oh, well, because here's Look the thing. And I and Peyton Turnage, God bless his soul, he may agree with me on this because Nashville, yeah, they have UC Saros, but they, they're, yeah. you could tell they're trying in a transition phase. St. Louis has the loose cannon known as Jordan Bennington who can play. Like, I remember when they, the NHL has been putting out these highlight clips of teams and showing like, you know, here's why this team had some good stuff last year. Jordan Bennington made shooters mad last year. I'm like, are you kidding? Shooters were so happy to face Jordan Bennington last year half the time because, yeah. my goodness, yes, did he give his heart out in the four games against Colorado? Absolutely, because it's the playoffs. But at what point did you tell me that Jordan Bennington was a star goaltender last year? Laura Astoria agree with me as well. Like, he's a good goaltender, but he doesn't have it. So that's why I pushed St. Louis and Nashville to the bottom of this division because you're not going to tell me that Chicago is going to be not. They're going to be a better team. They, heck, they were in a playoff conversation last year. Dallas, if they don't have COVID issues, they could have made the playoffs last year. They'll be a good team this year. A little bit depleted, but they still have a good goaltending group. Very hopey there. Winnipeg, I, I can't count them out, even though they had a bad end of the regular season last year. They're still a good team. And then you have Minnesota right in the middle of it. I, it's so hard to look at that division and say, this is going to be an easy playoff berth for any of the, the, four, or the top three that make it. They, they may have the majority of the teams. I think the Pacific's still going to be awful, but they may have that five teams. That can hurt teams. you, though. That can hurt you. Having, what, having so many teams play or how many teams in the postseason? There may be five. There may be five Central Division teams in the Western Conference playoffs next year, Hoppy. Well, what I'm saying is the Pacific, like, being as bad as it is, do teams beat up on them and get propelled a little bit by how many games they're playing against the Californias? But I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Because right now, the only team that's a lock to get out of there is Vegas, but you, you gotta think. Even though they haven't really done anything that smart this year, Edmonton's yeah. probably in. Well, Edmonton, I think, will finish number two just because they have McDavid and Drysaddle, and that can get you through an eighty-two game season. But as we've learned with Edmonton, similar to Toronto, having the best players on your roster does not mean you're going to be successful in the playoffs. And now with and uh, that's why I look and that's why I have Minnesota having the, the probably the best tandem in the central right now is going to be so in goal is going to be so important. I, where would if you on a wild guess right now today, where would you say they would finish in this central division? Oh, obviously, I mentioned Colorado and Colorado probably go towards the top. 
yeah. even though I, there's there's something brewing in there that just shows collapse, but that's to be foreseen in the spring. We'll have to wait on that. Yeah. I'd say anything from three to six wouldn't shock me, but right now, as the roster's constructed, we'll just say Kaprizov's playing. I got him penciled for five. Okay. That, Which is scary. <laughs> well, and Cheesh, I, I think the Central is going to look like how the North was being projected last year, where literally every team, with the exception of the top team, because everyone was far and away Toronto, which ended up being the truth, but like between two and six, it could be any any array of teams. That's how I'm seeing the Central this year. And I agree. I do have two teams, though, and again, it, it could alter anywhere from two to six, but I personally think very highly of Dallas and Winnipeg. I think they're that next tier sitting at two and three in some order. And then it's Chicago, Minnesota, and St. Louis beating the heck out of each other to see who gets that last one or two spots. Classic Norris division battle for for middle right in the middle of it there. Minnesota well, pardon me, Minnesota team obviously was the North Stars. You shut up. But that's that's what people that are screaming at home. It was the North Stars. They played at the Met back in the day. I, okay. <laughs> Thank you, 75-year-old man. Have a good day. Um, but let, let's talk about that big elephant in the room here. Kirill Kaprizov. Hasn't happened yet. Micheletti is 99% sure that he's gonna sign. Where are you at with with Mr. Kaprizov, Hoppy? Are you optimistic or are you nervous yet? I mean, first off, thank you so much for having me follow Pat Micheletti. It's um, been a few weeks. Wonderful. I gave you a good buffer. I gave you a good buffer. <laughs> um, I It probably sounds bad, and I should be knocking on a ton of wood. I'm not worried at all. Okay. Like, the reality is, if you want to play in the KHL, you go right ahead. There's no way that you want to do that. Uh, at this point, my understanding is that Kaprizov hasn't really been involved at all. This is just his agent strong-arming, and he said, Kirill, you just go play all summer and let me do this. And at some point, he's going to get involved and be like, I want to play. Let's figure this out. It's not going to be a seven- or eight-year deal like Garen wants. It's not going to be a three-year deal like he wants. Where does it land, and how long does it take for us to get there? I don't know, but four or five years makes a lot of sense just from the aspect of getting past the Parisi suitor buyouts so that you can throw the bag at him. Yeah, because that that's probably the end of all in this. And that's why guys, and I, I know I bring it back to Toronto. I know what <laughs> I'm doing here. But that's why guys like, you know, Matthews signed for five. And Marner, they didn't go the full eight years because eventually they knew they could probably get paid more. Now Marner is the value. I think it's decreasing, but that's a conversation for another time. But now this is kind of backtracking your hobby. Do you think the reason why any real discussion hasn't really amped up for Jack Eichel is because Kaprizov has not been signed yet? No, I, I think that's purely because kind of what we talked about, Adams is holding his ground while we still have an unhealthy Eichel with no path towards a healthy Eichel. Hmm. That, that is true, yeah. That's, that is a big asset because i'm pretty sure if kaprizov signed tomorrow kevin adams is like i want kaprizov well like of course you're gonna want kaprizov wow, you're gonna want you're, you're gonna want a 100 healthy player compared to a guy that wants a constructive surgery that's never happened before right. now yes kids bo jackson was able to play baseball on an artificial hip but that's baseball with an artificial hip artificial neck playing hockey and i remember there was um oh gosh there was the interview on 31 thoughts podcast with the doctor that was going, it's would be the one doing the surgery. And he gave 85% of it was here's why it's going to work. 
Here's why it's able to be okay. This is how I know that Jack Eichel could could have the surgery and play hockey. And then there was a little blip in there where he said, well, here's how it could go very wrong. And I'm like, huh, we don't want that to go very wrong. Oh, gosh, there's another dog in the house. Oh, gosh, my wife just opened the door. Huh? Why is there another dog? Get Wixie. I'm talking to State of Hoppy here. It's a very important interview, and you're bringing in cute puppies into my office. I'm, and they're like, what's a state of hobby? <laughs> it's a it's a wonderful thing. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on the Hockey Podcast Network. <laughs> they're, they're, that's how you plug to, to to dogs, I guess. Dogs, yep. That's the best way to plug anything. Slap some peanut butter over top of it, and they'll love it forever. But, no, I, I, I really, because I do want Kaprizov to sign. He's such a fun player to watch. He's an exciting player. He's good. He's talented. He brought a much-needed offensive burst to a... I know we probably brought this up in the past, but a boring Minnesota Wild team because that's how they've always been perceived as. All of a sudden, you have this flashy young Russian kid going around scoring goals, and all of a sudden, it's like, does anyone remember the early 90s Canucks with Pavel Bure? That's how it kind of was. I mean, they had the established vets in Vancouver. Bure comes in, and boom, they're one went away from the Stanley Cup Finals. Now, I'm not exactly saying that they're going to somehow lose the New York Rangers in the 2024 Stanley Cup Finals, but... I'm just saying, like, this kid is almost needed for Minnesota to continue to try to be a contending team in the years to come, right? Yeah, and it's weird, too, because, I mean, Wild fans have already waited so long to finally get him on the team. And granted, really small sample size in the grand scheme of things there, 55 games. He was everything they hoped he would be, though. And now it's one of those things where it's rocking a hard place. Half of them are pissed at him that he hasn't signed yet, which I reiterate, he hasn't been involved at all. It's his agent that's running the show. And the other half is like, Garen, what are you doing, you idiot? Pay him whatever he wants. And uh, I'm not on that train either. I think that if he wants to hold strong and if he wants to get lower term, he better be prepared to get lower dollars too because that's how it works. It's so hard because, you know, here on the show we've had – probably the two of the most historic holdouts in the cap era contract holdouts. Obviously I was, I was alive for the Eric Lindros season long holdout, but that was a much different scenario with Bobby Clark back in the day. There was the Ryan O'Reilly one that happened for a few games. Oh gosh, I think it's been 10 years now since that happened, but we had the William Nylander holdout and the almost holdout of Mitch Marner. I can tell you, that being a part of Marner Watch was the worst thing ever. And now looking back on it, it was a big fat waste of time. And you almost hope that doesn't happen again because, you know, players are, they know if their dollar amount can be reached that they'd be willing to sit for a minute and wait for things to happen. But you don't want that to happen because it may take the player a long time to get back in the swing of things. Now, yes, Kaprizov is skating. It's not like he's going to be, you know, a fish out of water when he comes back. If it, if the knock on wood thing happens, hopefully it doesn't happen. But it's, it's so hard to, to cheer for a guy and be on the side of, we want this guy here, but how could he want to hold out for more money, the selfish son of a you-know-what? It's so hard to, because you're trying to gauge on both sides. You want the guy to sign, but you want the guy to be happy so he plays well for your team. Yeah, it's, it's tough, and I don't know. It's hard to say because everyone likes to say, oh, Kirill, like everyone says such great things about him in the locker room. Like he, he's such a good guy, just wants to be part of the team. You know, he he wouldn't be the guy that holds out until December to hopefully make something happen, but we don't know. People probably didn't think Nylander would do it. 
It's just a, a weird state of not knowing, right? I just, like, everyone just wants something to happen here. Like, whether it's what they want the outcome to be or not, it's just some kind of resolution. But, again, I'm totally in Garen's camp here. He is doing everything right. He's holding strong. And I don't know if I've ever really had faith in a front office in Minnesota like I do right now between him a lot of the people that he's brought in with him because a lot of GMs would be afraid to bring in a Shero, you know, bring in a Judd Brackett. Like those are guys that are insulating and making the organization better. And he's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm pretty confident with myself that I'm not going to lose this job. Let's bring in the best. Well, why you don't, you don't like, uh, don't, you don't miss Chuck Fletcher. Is that, is that a thing? Not, not even a little bit. <laughs> I remember we went after Chuck Fletcher on this show, which was when Alex was co-hosting with us. And I, I still remember like, we just like, and this is the guy, I, I get it why we went after him. But I'm like, man, we're going after another team's GM here. Usually it's just us yelling at Kyle Dubas every so often, or, you know, being in the States, we would go after Kenny Holland. Well, we actually, we wouldn't go after him. We just laugh at him. That's all we did with Kenny Holland. I, and we still do. Look what he's, you know, signing Mike Smith for two years and Darnell Nurse for, $25 billion over there in Edmonton. That'll be great. It'll be a perfect regular season team over there in Edmonton. But Chuck Fletcher was one that I just remember saying to myself, this guy is a buffoon. This guy, he's, he's trying hard, but it's like, it's just not working out. And I think some of it gets blown out of proportion too, because a lot of the moves at the time, like you don't hate, but then in retrospect, when it doesn't work, it's easy to turn him into the punching bag. Everyone in Minnesota, don't care what they tell you now, was celebrating harder than they ever have on that 4th of July. I know I was when they signed Parisian Suter. The, the Hansel trade, right? That's one that gets beaten up a lot. Yeah. That's one that, again, like he's the type of piece you add for a playoff run. But for some reason, something happened with the chemistry in the locker room. We, we don't know to this day what happened in derailing that season. But again, it just didn't work when on paper a lot of people didn't hate the trade, right? And I don't know. He, he's certainly notorious for trading away draft picks to try and compete, but with some rosters, that's kind of what you have to do unless you're willing to burn it all down, which let's be real, most GMs don't have that kind of support from the front office that they're not gonna lose their job if they try and rebuild. Like everyone says it's so easy to decide to rebuild. Yeah, if the owner supports you through it, absolutely it's the right thing to do, but he's fighting for his job. And because um, that was the falling out with Trevor Linden in Vancouver, because the owners didn't want to move on. Trevor Linden saw the writing on the wall and said, "Guys, we have to get rid of the we have to get rid of the Sedins. We have to we got to blow this whole thing up if we want to get good again." And then Trevor Linden, no, oh, pardon me, they parted ways. That's that's why that's that's the the p the the PC term of how that whole thing went down. And you know what? Whoever you ask is who you ask. Some people think Trevor Linden was right. Some people think the owners are right. Now, yes, are the Vancouver Canucks a possible playoff team this year in the Pacific? Maybe. Now, I mean, last year went a little rough. Now, once again, COVID got in the way of of the Vancouver Canucks season as well. But it's so hard to just flip a switch and say we're going to be bad. It took, I mean, it took the Leafs, it took them four or three years to accept the fact they need to rebuild that 2013 playoff run kind of ruined plans. Cause the, that administration said, see, we can be a playoff team guys should never have been the case whatsoever with that team. I, I love James Reimer to death, but he's not a starting goaltender. Now there's Jonathan Bernier, but it's so hard for teams to accept it. Like I said, ownership groups, leadership groups say like, well, if we can try to make it work, 
Because this is, and that was the thing with the Wild for the longest time is, hey, go for it just to get two more home playoff games. That's kind of how it was. And it's so hard to try to go away from that because, hey, if you can get to the playoffs, you can say you can get to the playoffs. That was the problem with these Red Wings behind us for the longest time because the last six years were, let's just get to the first round, keep the streak alive, and who cares if we actually win? Mm-hmm. Yep, and the Wild weren't much different except that it was a way, way shorter streak. It was, let's limp in, let's see what we can do, and then get pummeled by the Blackhawks. <laughs> hey, I trust me, it, it was weird because I knew a lot of Hawks friends, and I would... I would cheer for the Wild Tour. I'm like, Darcy Kemper is going to lead him to the top. Josh Harding's going to be the hero. Nope. Five games. Five games. Yes, six for games. Going to be the hero. Oh, that's man. Funny. That's what, is that why 2014 is probably the best year ever for the Wild? Just because that miracle at, well, I don't want to say it was a miracle series because that Colorado team we learned was just completely over, just had this influx of luck. The, they rode the coattails of a screaming Patrick Waugh, a Simeon Varlamov that at that time was really good. Now he's probably better than he is now, but I'm like, I, I know we mentioned it the last time, like that 14 team in Minnesota was just, it, it was crazy how it all actually just happened to work out. Yeah. And I mean, it worked out for a series, which was cool, but like if anyone actually thought they were contenders that year, they were kidding themselves. No, nobody. No offense, but nobody picked Minnesota to beat Colorado. No. I, I, it was, it was just like, I know it's going to go back, and it's going to give my buddy Eric Pesolano nightmares. Oh three, <laughs> just if we're going to that. Geez. Oh now, uh-huh. <laughs> well, okay. Now you being a diehard Wild guy, is oh three the best season in the Wild's history? I mean, you have to say that, right? Just because of how far they made it, but. It's it's one of those crazy things where like zero expectations like during the regular season, they that set the precedent for the Wild being a boring team. You have Jacques Lemaire, who incredible coach, not very fun to watch. No, right? they have one skilled player in Marion Gabrick, and the rest of it is grind. Give me a West Walls, whatever. Like that is just not the style of hockey that a lot of people want to see. But then come playoff time. It's exactly what you want to see, right? So it, it was just a weird bringing everything together where it was an awesome run, but I don't know. The season as a whole is still really, really weird and confusing to me. <laughs> uh, it, well, because they were seventh, right? Were they seventh or eighth? No, because, oh gosh, who? No, because it weren't in the West. I would oh, have man. said eighth. Wasn't, wasn't Vancouver one? In 03? Oh, gosh. Now I'm. this is going to hurt. That's too long ago for me. Now, I've, now gosh almighty kids, we're going to test. I mean, the Wi-Fi works just fine right now. I'm just going to – I have to look it up now, though. I have to know because I, I, I don't think Detroit finished one. It was – no, gosh, I don't need divisions. I want the actual full-scale standings. Gosh almighty, this is hurting. NHL.com saved me. I tried to use in the Google standings, but that just did – that was a <laughs> – dumb idea uh oh dallas finished first that was right that was the marty oh. Tur- that was the marty turco like 1.03 goals against average year Jeez. detroit was two colorado was three so it was three versus six in that series anaheim was seven okay. that's why it was a people say anaheim was a bigger upset than detroit oh come on how could edmonton with tommy Salo not get it done against marty turco and the dallas stars unbelievable gosh okay. 
that you talk about it. That was a first round rivalry was Van, back in the day, Edmonton and Dallas. They play each other like five out of like six first rounds or something ridiculous like that. But, you know, wrapping things up here, Hoppy, and this is probably be it here for the Kula show because my wife apparently needs to go see me for something. I mean, this, I mean, I, unless Hoppy has some crazy revelation of how the season's going to go out here for the Minnesota Wild, do you think this Wild team in the next decade, I'm going to give you a big, wide time frame for this question. Does a Stanley Cup go to Minnesota? In ten, I mean, it's. I know it's hard because the salary cap can change and players, and there's all these certain anomalies and things that could happen along the way. But is it gonna? Is it gonna happen? Because I know the droughts in like Toronto, that's a big thing, and you know, in Canada in general. But like Minnesota, it's like maybe it's just me being an outsider, but it just doesn't seem like it's not like if they don't win the Stanley Cup, people are going to go crazy. I, I I don't know. Maybe it's I'm getting that feel from being the outside. What do you say? I mean, it's really interesting that you bring this to me on the heels of the 30-year anniversary of the 91 World Series victory for the Minnesota Twins, which just so it's, happens... Oh, 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 the, oh, the year. I'm about to say, I'm like, no, it's not. It's not October. <laughs> uh... It must have been a different date or something because they were playing stuff for it the other day that it was like the anniversary of the win. So I don't know if dates were different then for some reason. I don't know. Oh, they probably anyway. got they probably got bored. I'm like, oh, the Twins are going to lose tonight, so we're going to show you this game instead. That probably makes way more sense, actually. But um, that is the last major championship for the state of Minnesota was 30 years ago, unless you count the links of the WNBA, who they have dominated they, they are they're pretty good yeah it's just not uh the same when it's just a different league with less teams it just doesn't feel the same it's still exciting to have it happen but um so that alone just makes me feel like no minnesota just can't win championships there's some kind of curse um in the next 10 years yeah i think bill Guerin absolutely could get it done um there's obviously a lot for us to see unfold <laughs> past these uh next three or four years but uh yeah i absolutely think that with the group that they have in their front office they absolutely are capable of doing it it would be it'd be interesting because yes it is the state of hockey and all and of course minnesota and duluth is always in there saint cloud finally well almost got all the way they got all the way to the championship game almost made it happen but it's the the hockey scene in Minnesota is so huge, and I don't. And I listen. I get it. Minnesota Wild are not the upper echelon in the National Hockey League, but I dare anyone to come tell me that Minnesota is not the best state for all things hockey. I will fight anyone that tells me any different. And this is coming from a guy that is from Michigan. Minnesota high school hockey, AAA hockey, whatever college hockey, junior hockey. It's it is still the pinnacle for hockey. That's why it's, it's called the state of hockey. A Stanley Cup would be nice because, unfortunately, Stefan Diggs couldn't just figure it out for one more game and play the Super Bowl in Minnesota. <laughs> couldn't mm. figure it out. It would have been yeah. a cool story. Yeah, that one stings a little bit for sure. But, uh, yeah, uh, it's funny because last year was the first year that all five Division One hockey teams in Minnesota made it to the tournament. And yep. it was actually the last year that they had five teams because now they've already expanded to six. So, yeah, if that, if that on top of uh, anyone that hasn't been to, heard of, seen, 
what the state tournament is like here for high school. No, no, no. It's it's, it's the tournament. It's the tournament. That's the the hashtag. The tourney. The tourney. Sorry. Yeah, tourney. No, I, I, and I watch, I watch it too. And it was so weird this year without fans because any other year for every single game when they're at XL, it's, it's crazy. Like, you, who else, what other state can you see 19,000 people for a high school hockey game? That's how yeah, it is. Yeah. Just about, it's, it's incredible. And that's why I tell everyone, I was going to do it last year. I was saving up money to go up to Minnesota and then COVID. And then you couldn't go to it. So maybe next year, knock on wood, hopefully this thing gets figured out by next spring and summer. But it's an interesting world we live in. Hopefully I can make it up there because if it's fun watching on TV, it'll probably be better to be up in Minnesota because then I can check out the awesome breweries there in the Twin Cities. Right, Hoppy? Absolutely. And no, you absolutely need to go if you haven't because you're right. It's not even close to comparable on TV to what you're seeing live. Because people like, you know, people that are high school football fanatics that are in Michigan, like, oh, high school football student sections are fun. Go to these things. Like it's, because then you're like, you're not even open. It's an enclosed arena where it's just louder and it's, it's a whole hoot, Manny. Oh man. One, one of these days, Hoppy, one of these, one of these days though, we'll all be able to go and hang out in, you know, arenas and bars and not have to worry about it. Someday, someday, right? Someday. <laughs> we have been chatting with the state of Hoppy. He's one of the co-hosts of the Soda Pod on the Hockey Podcast Network. Him and Roni are doing an awesome job. The whole crew there at THPN, all their shows are awesome there. Go check them out as well. This show is here on 12 Ounce Sports as well. Be sure to follow Hoppy at State of Hoppy at the Soda Pod on Twitter. And that is it here for this episode of The Cula Show, folks. Hashtag TKS if you want to get involved in the conversation at The Cula Show. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Hoppy, it's been a pleasure, man. It's fun. It was fun to see your beautiful face this time on the show. Got things all worked out. And hopefully we talk again soon and hopefully talk about Minnesota with a guy named Kaprizov in the lineup. And if some miracle, maybe a guy named Michael. Maybe. Wouldn't that be funny? Man, come on now. You can't end the show on that. I'm too excited now. Thank you so much. It's been fun, though. Look forward to doing it again. All right. We'll see you all. Thank you all for watching and listening to this episode of The Cule Show. Goodbye.